Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars, scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. Hello, cats and kittens. There is a lot going on in the world today, so I'm glad we have a call-in schedule. This is episode 85 of the debrief, and I am your co. Your co-host, still in rising mode. I'm your host, Brianna Joy Gray, and today we are talking about one of my all-time favorite episodes with one of my all-time favorite guests, Dr. Cornell West, a truth teller in the most eloquent and lyrical of ways. I was so grateful to be able to have this, I felt like a very intimate conversation and, and in some ways, I think the intimacy of it and the compassion with which um, he makes his points almost covers up, I think, some really important and interesting disagreements that we had. And I was so grateful to be able to work through with him. So I want to talk to you about that. We can talk about the Queen. We can talk about Irish and Black Twitter. We can talk about any number of things that are going on in the zeitgeist, as always. Uh, let's get right to it. Jam, you're up. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Awesome. Uh, these past two episodes have been amazing. Just have some of my favorite uh, people on. Like Doc, Dr. West is always a just a pleasure to listen to, to listen to whatever he has to say. And Crystal Ball was uh, dope as well. I'm so glad you like that. Yeah, and I got to gotta say, I, I feel like you don't be getting enough uh, credit for it. But like you, you be you be slammed with the natural hairstyles and everything on on, on rising and the show. I'll be I'll, I'll be feeling a little I'll be feeling slighted for you that nobody be bringing it up enough. But but you be up out there doing your thing. <laughs> oh, you just to say it in the middle of the segment. You want Robbie to introduce me in the morning as uh, Brianna. You have an excellent show, and I gotta say, love that hair today. <laughs> Hey, got shout him out! Like y'all be talking about all the time, saying like you know y'all unintentionally matching the joint. You bring y'all saying you know you look good and stuff. That is it's true. all right to flaunt it. That is true. He did, he did say right as I came in this morning. Oh, we're matching. He was in the makeup chair and had his robe, his robe on, so I couldn't see. He was like, I knew we were both going to be doing green today. I was like, oh yeah, we're on a cosmic wavelength now, Robbie. See, that's what it is, man. <laughs> Yes, so I, was, I, had, I had to give you had to give you a little come up for that one. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. What's on your mind? Uh, when, uh, talking um, for this episode about like the fascist uh, point, like is there any real like utility still in um, in using the language? Mm. Uh, I don't. 
uh, I don't know if I if I like know like fully. I, I get I like how like Doctor West just says, you know, he just go ahead like tell the truth and just you know catch whatever um you know catch whatever comes uh, to him because that's a that's a sentiment I fully like agree with. You know, like the people that's listening to you can will be able to feel your the BS or not for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, in like in a broader context, you know, I feel like it's how people how people hear like hear the word and everything. Like it just gets politicized and just pushed into like this fascist just means like these like uh it's just pushed into like a right or left type thing or like everything else normally mm-hmm. you know so I don't I feel like it kind of loses its its like its grip of what it's supposed to mean especially since we don't really have a big robust um conversation about other like political systems like outside mm-hmm. of capitalism mm-hmm. you know like even like how we talk how we talk about socialism is real. It's, it's real, very weak. You know, we, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of Americans don't really understand what like social, mm-hmm. what socialism, like even like means and stuff or, or fascism for that, for that point. Even with most like common folk, when they hear fascism, just think of, I think they try to push it just like towards authoritarianism and just bad, but don't really have like a good like grasp of it, you know? Yeah. I actually think in somebody, I don't know if it was here or in some comment thread somewhere brought up the idea that we need to talk more about authoritarianism in conjunction with the different political systems. So we should talk about authoritarian mm-hmm. socialism versus non-authoritarian, you know, libertarian socialism um, and talk about authoritarian capitalism and, and libertarian capitalism and, and, and introduce those shades into the gen- generalized conversations that we're having, because that's much, a much better um, descriptor for the kinds of concerns that people have. Like, even, mm-hmm. Even when we're talking, so, you know, oftentimes socialism comes up and people are like, oh, they're going to throw you in a gulag. And it's like, well, I'm against authoritarianism. And we have authoritarianism under capitalism as well. Robbie and I had this out on the podcast, I was sorry, on the show just today, um, where he's like, well, all all of these bad things happened under socialism. I was like, what are you talking about? We've run every socialism Mm -hmm. country off the planet. Everything that's bad that happens literally happens in capitalism because we made sure at the point of a gun that everybody's a capitalist. So how can you possibly complain? And exactly. so, like, decoupling the idea of authoritarianism from all of these political terms and being able to assess, assess whether a place is authoritarian on its own, I think would be helpful. Because I agree. Like, I don't, I don't know what the term fascism is really doing at this point, other than saying this is a very bad person that I don't like. Exactly. Like, I think, like, always when I come on and I talk to you, like, when I'm talking about, like, any type of, like, policy, I'm pushing more so trying to push policy like on the local on the local like a state level but for like as us as a left project to do for more widely and like on a national scale I, like at this point in time i feel like all we should be doing is just pushing to show like to, to define ourselves and define the differences of everything of um of the of like the overton window and everything because a lot of people it's 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 terrible that the most of the mainstream doesn't doesn't understand the difference between you know like um between like um what's her name elizabeth warren and and, uh bernie and stuff you know Mm -hmm. they don't under most people don't understand you know like those uh those differences or even understand like truly what socialism is and don't understand the difference between democratic like socialism um socialism is like we don't really talk about like for all like all the talk about bernie talking about like he's a socialist you know and stuff you never really hear here I'm like talking about um people like the common folk taking over the means of production, you know, like that's never that's that's the core of socialism, but you never really hear them, you know, like talk about it. 
Yes. Like, so we need, we need to just define every time. I feel like every time we get like go on shows with mass, mass appeal is try to like make some type of, some type of distinction and difference between all the factions. So it can be clear, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's worth saying that Bernie's workplace, um, whatever it was called, his basically his labor policy did talk about all of that. And I remember when we, when we dropped the plan, I thought it was going to be kind of boring. I remember thinking, Oh God, I got to do take my notes and study up on what this is. We just released because I felt we should do a video on every policy that we dropped. And there wasn't enough coordination in my view between the video department and advertising what these policies were the way that like Elizabeth Warren had. And so I sat mm-hmm. down and took it on myself to like learn about the policy and take some notes for, so that at least I could highlight it on the podcast. And I got really amped up because I realized it was actually the best. It was like the juiciest, most exciting part of, Bernie's platform and it wasn't you know framed or highlighted as radical as it really was because it did have all of these policies that were supposed to increase um make worker ownership easier and on top of a lot of like pro um policies that would make it easier for places to unionize yeah and and I agree that he should have talked about it more and then talked about it in those specific policy terms that I think are a little less scary than using the phrases that you know, we use when we're explicitly talking about socialism and it, mm-hmm. and it is something that comes up on, on rising. Like people, every time I say something about socialism and Robbie goes, you know, state ownership and state control mm-hmm. and, I'm like, well, and over some things like maybe oil production, you know, like the energy sector and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what we're really talking about is workplace ownership. And are you really, are you saying exactly. you're a populist, but you're against workers having control over their own destiny? You say, yeah, like you the mainstream. Like. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, like, like the mainstream, especially like the mainstream right, just uh, like acquires they they equalize socialism and, and uh, communism like as the same thing. You know, like that's that's when they hear when they hear like socialism, they just view it as the same thing, like the state owning, like it, running and owning everything. You know, like that's not necessarily like you know like socialism. You right. know, yeah, but but that's just that's just how like the mainstream you know like right um reacts to it, and since they they've been winning like the the, the culture war on that front. That's how everybody else pretty much like understands it as well. You know, like when I talk to people like at, at, at um at work about like that's just how they that's just how they view it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, thanks for calling in, Jim. I really, I really appreciate hearing from you as always. Most right, well, definitely, keep the faith. Keep the faith, Jim. El douche. I feel like you're a new face. <laughs> how are you doing this evening? What's on your mind? Hi. Um, I- I've called, but like very early on, um, I don't know what I remember me. I told you I was a liberal, and you told me I was not a liberal. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember you. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a minute. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind this evening? Um, so I wanted to talk about your radar that you had on Ryzen regarding the MAGA fascists or the MAGA Republicans that, um, so I have a lot of presumptions and I hope you can maybe provide some clarity on maybe what you meant um, and what you did not mean as well. So sure. um, from you, from my perspective, from what I heard you saying, you said that based on Biden's speech, he was referring to half of the country as maybe MAGA Republicans, which has a negative connotation because it ties into the fascistic and you know branding that he's been using so now it categorizes half of the country 
as fascist, which is not a way to go if you are president of the country. Is that basically what what, what you've been by that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I did point out that he wasn't referring to half the country. I think people are misrepresenting that. He was specific in his speech that he was talking to a, a subset of Republicans that is not the majority of Republicans. However, okay. my point was that by trying to frame that as MAGA Republicans and using a term like MAGA, which was literally the campaign slogan of the party leader who most Republicans did in fact vote for, you're intentionally or not looping in huge swaths of the public and treating them as beyond political notice, which might be fine for you and me, but is a dangerous position for a president to be in. Got it. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. So that kind of adds a little bit more context. So um, my commentary might not really tie specifically into, it ties into it, but it's a little bit of a nuance once you break it down into that level. And um, does your sentiment maybe like, do you, when you look at the word like fascist, do you, does it have a higher negative connotation to it? And I say this just because like, for example, I listen to have like a lot of shows. And um, one thing that I always find very interesting because no one seems to see it is like, for example, everyone, the left, the right, the central Republicans, always bash standard Democrats. They call them names, the same way that people bash like the left as socialists and communists, which is not true. However, mm-hmm. the punching bag currently as it stands is the liberals who are considered woke. And now woke to me is almost like a fascist, like insult or branding that people are trying to brand all people who vote Democratic in a context, because there are a lot of also left who vote the Democrats, but I'm, you know I'm referring to the people who they refer to, the ones who are work from home, a latte, working, you know, big tech or working consultant or, you know, these um, sorts of places that everyone has no sympathy for. However, mm-hmm. there's no pushback when everyone is branding those people who are also Americans in a very negative connotation, I've never seen anyone even, I've never even heard you push back even, sometimes you do push back when people are going overboard. However, that negative branding is allowed and it's like nobody ever says, hey, those are Americans. Everyone's like, oh yeah, they deserve to be bashed on. And sometimes I feel maybe because everybody brands those individuals, which maybe I'm a part of, as a part of the elite, so they can take the bashing. However, when it comes to Republicans, like the Trump, the MAGA Republicans, it is like, hey, let's not brand them in this negative way because we need them, which we do need them because we need to build a coalition with them. However, nobody ever feels they need to build a coalition with those guys, the wokesters, the liberals, the MSNB moms, or the, the MSNBC moms, or like, you know, you know who I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. What's well, your sentiment if, on that? If I were on MSNBC, which they categorically don't want, by the way, then I would address an MSNBC audience, you know? Okay. I would, I would talk to them about the things that I just, you know, I, I think we have in common. But I'm not in front of an MSNBC audience because, to be honest, the MSNBC folks hate me more than anybody else, right? <laughs> and so, you know, the reason that I am not particularly interested in talking about 
like Republican hypocrisy, for instance, which I did bring up in my radar. I did caveat the whole thing with the first two minutes talking about how Biden didn't actually say it was all Republicans. Biden didn't actually say uh, Republicans obviously call uh, Democrats fascists, too. I said all that up front. It's because liberals are already making – like defending themselves. They're already making those arguments everywhere you look. You turn on the TV, and they're talking about Republican hypocrisy and how bad Republicans are. So Mehdi Hassan, for example, did a great supercut of all of these Republicans calling Democrats fascists and how ridiculous it is for them to feign offense or to act like calling someone a fascist is some new line that's been crossed. It obviously isn't, and, you know, tit for tat. But my point, I felt, was a different one, which is what's the responsibility of a president? What's the responsibility of a leader when he's talking about not other politicians but voters? And, okay. you know, you know if, if you can – like, okay, so for example, I definitely can think of right off the top of my head examples of Donald Trump talking about non-Americans in that way for sure. We know how he's talking about immigrants. We know what he thinks about Mexicans. Like there's no argument that Biden – sorry, that Trump talks about non-Americans in very dismissive, very ugly, very xenophobic, often racist ways. I'm, I'm thinking now trying to come up with an example of Donald Trump talking about voters in those categorical terms. Like Mitt Romney, I can think of an example. Mitt Romney definitely accused – he said there's makers and takers and Democrats are disproportionately in the, 40, you know, the 47% of people who are takers or whatever it is who offer nothing to society. And he rightly got flamed for that. So, like, that's definitely a con- an example of a conservative doing the same thing that Biden did that I absolutely don't support. And I think that people really missed why it was that that statement is pro- inappropriate and Hillary Clinton's statement is inappropriate. It's not because I don't personally agree that there's a lot of distasteful views held by people who supported Donald Trump. That's, of course, true. But I am a human being in my own house who isn't, doesn't have the responsibility as the commander-in-chief to decide who gets clean drinking water, who goes to prison, who goes to fight in a war, who gets a stay of execution. And my belief, my personal feeling, is that when you're in a position of that much power, you have a greater obligation to talk about the people under your thumb who you have dominion over with more grace and with a fundamental respect for their humanity. And I know that's difficult, and I know it feels like, you know, tough to have to hold yourself hold somebody to that standard which is so much higher than the standard everybody else operates under but i don't think lowering oneself to the level of the worst republican commentator and saying well they did it too so why are you asking joe biden to do better is exactly how we should be running things what do you think uh yeah so i do agree with that that's why i said what i was about to say is a little bit nuanced. So if we can take it away from like what Biden says, actually let's even take away the, the fashion, that terminology, let's take your radar out of it. What I'm curious, curious on is I'm black, so this doesn't really fit into me, but what I hear it quite a bit on different shows, like for example, especially Bache, that's like the biggest punchline, like, hey, woke liberals or whatever the case might be. However, it's something that everybody says. I watch Breaking Point, it's something that it's like, Everyone has picked a segment, which now is the woke liberals that have no, like, are the punchy bags. Like, as in, 
you know, in, in, from my perspective, usually I feel like, oh, wait, are these guys Americans? Because usually there's a, some sort of sympathy towards everyone else except from mm-hmm. quote unquote woke liberals. And I don't know whether you've seen that, and I don't know whether it's something that is just me who imagines it, maybe because oh, yeah, I, see I have a lot saying. of woke liberals that are my friends, but I see like everyone treats like Trump, like as an everybody's trying to maybe win Trump Republicans or try and go yeah. head over heels, not to bash them, but the woke liberals, they have to be the punching bags. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying now. So I, I agree. I, I'm a little troubled by, I'm a lot, first of all, I'm a lot troubled by that kind of rhetoric. I hear you saying that Bata does it. And in fact, when you were talking about, you know, whether I ever call out folks for doing that, I specifically did with respect to her when she tried to pull that stuff around the student debt conversation. I think that 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 conversation about student debt really highlighted how so many people who are claiming to be populist are misfiring. They're forgetting that the slogan is 99% versus the 1%. And they're spending a lot of time attacking people who are like, in the top 30%, you know, where a lot of the student debt, uh, people who are getting their student loan debt canceled are. And I don't, I think talking about, if I'm talking about elites, I'm talking about the guy that just gave $1.6 billion to the group uh, that, you know, basically to the Federalist Society. I'm talking about, you know, politicians who have millions of dollars. I'm, you know, I'm talking about the actual elites. I'm talking about Bezos and, and people like that. I'm not talking about, you know, some lawyer who, you know, is part of the problem in a PMC in a lot of ways. But I say that's that's a different kind of rhetoric that I reserve yeah. for them because I don't think that they're, they're they're not actually the problem. I mean, they're, they're the problem in, elect, in an electoral sense. They're a problem in my ability to have a peaceful time at a friend's barbecue. <laughs> but they're not they're not really the enemy. And you're right. We we have we're gonna have to at some point. Everyone's talking about the PMC right now because of the passing of Barbara Einrich. But I think that you know there is a real criticism and a, and a real analysis of how the PMC can be derailing to social movements that should be had. At the same time, I do think it's problematic to say we absolutely can't join with the PMC, but we absolutely can join with, you know, the Boogaloo Boys. And I don't say that to be dismissive of the Boogaloo Boys. I say that to prevent people from being dismissive, dismissive of the, the PMC. Okay, perfect. Um, that's all I had. Um, and I'm still <laughs> a liberal, but I listen to all the progressive shows. So I might be a... <laughs> but, you know, I listen you're to a pro- You are progressive, Elle. We're going to get you. We're going to get you one of these yeah, days. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, might be a pro- I might be a progressive. I was listening to the last call-in with the guy who was talking about being like an incrementalist and then mm-hmm. you kind of reframe it to let him know, hey, like you accept incrementalism, but it's because there are people who are pushing like, like, hey, like they're pushing their whole shebang. And then that's mm-hmm. why, that's what yields increment incrementalism. And that was actually a really fruitful conversation because mm-hmm. it kind of ties into my branding of me being called like me being a liberal because i don't mind like i should embrace being called a liberal like i'm like sure i'm a liberal whatever um however i listen to and i support almost every left policy but you know um there are some disagreements obviously but like if you build a graph i align with more left politics close to about 80 percent of the time there's sometimes i'm like oh my god (laughs) yeah look i i hear you and 
we've got a little time. I don't think anybody's, we're not going to need anybody to come together for an election anytime soon because per the last episode, I don't know how much consensus there is around who that person is going to be. Obviously, there's some ongoing mutual aid and other kind of organization projects that I, we, you know, the progressives would love to have you as a part of. But, you know, slow and slow and steady, Al, we'll get you. We'll yeah, get please. You, please. Um, you guys, would, I'm definitely interested to see who would, um, because I did not support, um, I know support Bernie there last time I supported Biden, which mm-hmm. we can get into that conversation as to why. Um, um, nevertheless, like I kind of had bias remorse sometime this year, me and my wife, because we <laughs> were like, "Why? Like, why is Biden just like Biden? Is just like I, I don't go as far as to say he's a like a corpse, like how some people choose to describe him. But I more like I need some fight, and that's the main thing that um, I hope the liberals, progressives, leftists, whatever the case might be. I want people who can fight. And that's what I love. I envy the most about Republicans. They're like, we're going to do what we want. We don't care. We don't give a shit. We're going to call you whatever you want to call you. We'll brand mm-hmm. you. We'll call you the worst thing in the books. And then we're going to stand by. And then we're going to put in our um, Supreme Court justice. We're going to pass whatever laws we want to pass. We don't care about you. And mm-hmm. I want someone from our side who can go like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I want that for us also. And I, I think we can get it. I think we can I'm get it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward All to right. it. Anyway, thanks for your time. With your and, help, you know, Al, someday. <laughs> thanks for going in. <laughs> no problem. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Karthik, you're up. What's on your mind? Hey, Brianna. A uh, big fan. First time talking to you. I'm always intimidated by your long lines. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was actually... I actually first heard about you when you were like doing like the some Twitch stuff or Bernie like for you, uh, during the campaign, and oh, I was like, "Why does Bernie Sanders have a Twitch channel?" Because like back, cause I just found out about Twitch and, and like I thought it was like for like kids uh, streaming, you know, them gaming or whatever. So I had no idea. But now there's like many people um, on politics doing politics. But anyway, so I just wanted to say, uh, Dan with the Queen. Um, and I said that for a friend. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that quick. Um, I have a lot of little quick things to say. And um, I saw your TYT debate with, uh, I mean, you know, your, your debate with Jank. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was a long time TYT fan, so it was great to see you like make him look like a clown. Um, because like there's been like so many people like over the like 10, 15 years that I've like tried to make um, him look really dumb. And most of it's just, like, really dumb stuff. Like, oh, like, he's a Muslim or he's fat or whatever, which, like, are just dumb shit. Yeah. But it was great to see you, like, look so calm. And I still don't know how you were so calm. Because, like, if I was you, I, I, I would have been, like, like screaming, like, just as loud as him as he was screaming at you. Um, so I wanted to say uh, good job for that. Thank um, you. And so I, I, I want to respond quickly to the last caller, El Douche. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about, like, about like why are like uh like lefties like whatever you want to call people socialists communists marxists whatever um why are they like more picking at like liberals or like whatever i don't know like biden or whatever instead of like republicans or that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so like i maybe i have like a little different perspective because so in college i used to do like uh stand-up comedy actually just like mm-hmm. open mic like i i wasn't that great but you know i did it because it was fun 
Um, wait a minute, so, wait a minute. So, you, you were brave enough to do stand-up comedy, but you were intimidated by the lines here, by the queue length? <laughs> well, I wasn't intimidated. Like, I, I just didn't want to wait in line for three hours. That's Fair what enough. I... Fair yeah, Because, like, I, I do Collins for, for Jimmy Dore a lot, but I always make sure I'm, like, okay. top five in line. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so I, I always, like, I'm looking, like, from, like, a, like, a, like what, what's funny perspective. And I, I do think, like, from long, like, in, like, modern politics, like, 30, 40 years, like, like it was a lot funnier to make fun of, you know, uh, Republicans. Mm-hmm. But I think now, like, some, like, whatever you want to call people, like, woke liberals or Democrats have become, like, such a parody to the point it's, like, way more fun um, to make fun of, like, of, like Democrats. That's just what mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, I'm someone that, like, vo- vo- voted for Bernie twice. You know, I support, like, like pretty much like every um, like left wing uh, economic policy and stuff, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely not right wing. You know, I, I I like you and you know other people like you. Um, so what I'm saying is just like it just seemed more funny to like make fun of Biden and like other things like that because like because obviously people made fun of Trump because like you know for many reasons obviously, and mm-hmm. obviously I think he's come, you know fun to make fun of too. But like like because Biden just like seems like he has like dementia every day. Like, I'm surprised, like, I, I still have no idea how he made that speech, you know? He probably was on speed the entire time. Um, I, I cannot weigh in, but I will say there were times during the campaign when he would, from day to day, like, he would seem really kind of dragging. I mean, the campaign trail is difficult for anybody, much less you know, the oldest president in history. And then he would show up at the next debate, and he would be on fire, and to the extent that we were hoping, oh, this is the one where Bernie can knock him out because he, he's obviously not doing very well. Like, Biden's not holding up well. So I don't know what they do to him. I don't know if he gets, just gets a good night's sleep and rallies. I don't know if there's a, something else going on. It's not for me to speculate on. But they certainly know how to perk him up. <laughs> like, well, he certainly knows how to get it together when it really when it really counts. Well, that is a very nice way of saying something that I would say. You're a very nice person, but so obviously you were the the press conference. The I mean, the, sorry, press secretary. Um, so do you remember that one debate? Like I think it was like the October debate. I don't know if it was like in Atlanta or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. he said something about like black people don't know how to raise their kids, and and they and, and they need to turn on their radio or whatever. Yep, yep. They have to. Yeah. He's talking about like needing to say more words to the kids and like hooked on phonics and like listen to the radio more. I remember that. And he got like no flack for that. Yeah, that was like I'm pretty sure that's like insanely racist. It was. It was. I think that was also maybe the first debate after the heart attack. Um, and we everyone was yeah, for all kinds of reasons because October the the Bernie's back thing happened at the end of October, I think. Uh, October twentieth, I think. So yeah, that is. It never like I'm not saying that I think that people should focus so much on those kinds of issues. I think that you should dislike Biden because he's the architect of the crime bill, not because he like says a flub at a debate. But honestly, it killed me because if Bernie ever said anything like all the things that Biden has said, if anyone ever accused Bernie sure. Sanders of sexual assault or sniffing a girl's hair, if anybody ever accused, you know, if, if Bernie ever said, oh, I, I used to be a lifeguard at a swimming pool and all the black kids used to love to rub my blonde leg hair. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, he was like, like, well, like, like MSNBC was saying, like, he has to drop out for like no reason anyway. So, right, like, right. we have to impeach him, even though he's not president yet. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, the corn pop show was hilarious. So, I'm saying this just because I'm saying, like, I think, like, like, like Democrats in general are just easier to make fun of now than Republicans. Like, and obviously, like SNL or Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon are like just doing, like, you know, state TV for him. 
Like I remember MSNBC was like that was all they did like like right after they did South Carolina, which I'm sure you remember. Like I really thought I was watching Pravda or like where whatever the other like old school state TVs are. Um, the la- last thing I want to say about the Queen, like I really don't get why like there's like some affinity for the Queen in America or like anywhere because I remember um, like when um, Princess Kate was getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was like a b- bunch of TV coverage. Like so, I was in tenth grade uh, pre calculus when like when the uh, when the actual wedding happened, mm-hmm. and my math teacher like, instead of like doing math stuff, uh, we just watched like, like the wedding the entire time. It was insane. Yeah, I am not entirely sure either. I mean, so Diana. I mean, I was like whatever in eighth grade or whatever when Diana died. But my impression was that she was different because she one seemed like a really genuine and nice person. She broke a lot of the rules of the crown and showed a lot of intimacy toward vulnerable people. She hugged people with AIDS at a time when uh, towards the poor people, bigoted. poor people. She was, you know, running around cuddling little Brown kids all over the world, you know, getting down into in the muck as it were. And she was such a different paradigm from the rest of the crown. And then you saw her getting in trouble for it with the crown. And it made people really sympathize with her, ally with her. Obviously, the divorce, the Camilla Parker Bowles of it all. She was a very sympathetic figure. So I understand how America, how she was maybe a hook for Americans to start to pay attention. Because she seemed, like, genuinely lovely. However, I don't understand entirely the persistent investment. Like, a wedding is fun. Like, whatever. I understand why people have an interest in seeing, like, the prettiest version of an event that many people will go to the richest version of an event most people will have in their own lives. So like, I get like wanting to watch it per se, but I don't get necessarily the human investment in someone like the queen. Cause the queen is the bad guy in all of this. The queen is the yeah, bad like, guy. Like we left the monarchy. We very much fought a war about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, although black Americans are in an interesting position where most of the colonized people are like, yes, the British colonized us and, like, screw the queen. Black Americans are like, "Mm, if we had stayed a colony, we would have been free faster. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's possible. Because I I, I know know the UK ended slavery in, like, 1820 or 30. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just don't know if that was, like, ineffective in, like, in all the colonies. I'm not sure if that was. uh, And they went on to cause a bunch of terrible things, even if there wasn't literal slavery, so. Yeah, and, like, I'm pretty sure there's, like, some slavery in India. Like, I say this because I am, like, I'm born in San Diego, but, like, Mm -hmm. my parents are from India. And my mom, she, like, loves Princess Diana. And, like, there's actually, like, many, like, people in India that have this, like, strange um, affinity for the royal family. Which I really don't get because, like, obviously it was a colony for almost 200 years. Mm-hmm. So that makes no sense to me. Um, but, oh, last thing uh, I, I want to say before I go is, so you're talking about, like, fascism, like, definition or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd say at least by, like, one, like, definition that isn't really used anymore. Um, I'd say Biden's a fascist because he's, like, his policies are very much... Well, like every president for many decades now. Maybe the last one was Carter, I guess. But like every president has like been pushing towards the merger of uh, corporation and state. Yeah. So I do think that almost nobody means it literally when they say it. I, I think that almost oh, yeah, nobody for is sure. actually <laughs> talking about that alignment, which is frustrating because when I have raised certain issues – not necessarily, a, 
Well, yes. Like what I, t- I talk about, I mean, this is adjacent. I talk a lot about uh, kind of political capture by corporations on the show because the tension on, on rising, because the tension Robbie and I most often have, and it like was off the charts today. We ended up getting into it in a block, which we never do. Like a block is the, hi, good morning. Welcome to rising. Here's what's coming up on the show. But we had a 17 minute a block today because we got into this conversation, which is something bad happens. Robbie attributes it to the government being bad and says we shouldn't have government. I say, even yeah, if yeah, he wants feudalism. Up, right. Like, I'm like, okay, I will completely acknowledge that the government was bad here. But the, I think the government was bad in large part because it was captured politically. And it didn't actually, there's not a democracy and the government isn't working for the people. And we have all these lobbying dollars. So I think, I think the conversation was about antitrust today. Um, what was it? Oh, we were talking about price gouging. We we're talking about the price caps on energy in Europe. Because they're a civilized country. <laughs> like in, in Europe, the, you know, obviously the power bills are going through the roof. Uh, and they capped it at $2,000, I think, per – or 2000 Yeah, I'm sure they're going to get worse in like wintertime, January. Exactly. And so at the cost to the government of something like $80 billion, they're going to subsidize the uh, electricity cost of their citizens which is something that would never happen in America, right? Like, you're on your yeah. own, folks. You can't that, get water out of the tap. If, if, if that happened here, that would be called fascism. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or, you know, socialism. But, yeah, for sure, it would be negatively stigmatized. And so, you know, Robbie starts joking about, uh, you know, flattening the curve, which is language that they used to describe uh, in, UK, in the U.K., I think, to describe what they were doing to try to flatten out people's um, energy bills. And somehow we got into this conversation about, why it is that prices are so high. And I bring up price gouging and he says, well, people have to make profits. And I said, price gouging is definitionally not just making profit. It's exploiting a crisis in order to take an enormous over, like an an overzealous amount of profits. No, you don't understand. Price gouging is called freedom. (laughs) I don't know if you know how that works. It's, it's the freedom to die. (laughs) Right. So I keep trying to make this point about how, well, look, when we had World War II, we were all very proud of ourselves as a nation, as a community about coming together and like punishing companies that did this. And we called it war profiteering and the government made it illegal and and companies were shamed out of overcharging for scarce goods. And so Robbie's like, well, the the fact that things are priced so high is because the government made it difficult for people to get products. And he cited the example of the baby food formula uh, – uh, sorry, for baby formula shortage, and said that you know uh, that they didn't they didn't allow formula to be shipped from Europe. I said I can completely conceive that they probably could have and should have been quicker in allowing lifting the barriers for European imports. But let's not forget the real reason that the we had the shortage is because the Abbott plant in the United States had to shut down because they had a whistleblower that warned oh. that conditions were not safe and that was ignored. And then they put out poison baby formula that killed two babies. So, like, don't – like, I, I'm perfectly open to a whole range of concerns that exist here. But we need to have a conversation about why it is that, yeah, if the FDA has, is wrong, if the FDA is, is not doing its job in following up on whistleblower complaints, let's ask the question why. Is it because government is bad? Is it because the FDA is, FDA is underfunded, which it is? Its funding has been down and people are, are not able to – follow up and all the things they need to follow up on is it because it's got bad leadership it's structured badly is it because they've been infiltrated by pharmaceutical companies or captured by like let's talk about why but giving up 
and saying, let's just get rid of the FDA is not a viable solution because everything that's ruining government is yeah, the free market that you want to have free reign. So oh yeah, I, I, mean, I saw the episode where Robbie said that and I thought that would be like disaster if there was no FDA, even more worse than now. Um, but a lot, I got to tell you, a lot of, I've heard a lot of conservatives and libertarians very easily say that they are confident that nothing bad would happen if we didn't have an FDA. Yeah, I feel like now there's pretty much no FDA by default, like at least like what they're supposed to be doing, which isn't like getting, taking farm money. But yeah, that's, that's all for me. I just want to say, I don't think you're part of the fake left or you're, uh, nor are you a secret right winger. I think it's hilarious that, that Jenk Uger would call anybody a fake left after taking Katzenberg and uh, Buddy Romer money, which was a Republican governor in Louisiana. Thanks. Thank you, Karthik. I appreciate you. Keep the faith. All right, Chris, que pasa? Bree, how are you? I'm doing well. What's on your mind this evening? How was Cleveland last weekend? It was nice. It was nice. I'm a little, you know, it's a little tiring to travel and do all that, but it was nice to be at back at the house for the second time. And my mother's made a lot of great progress with the move and unpacking and making the place look homey. Sorry great. for starting the dryer. Um, anyway, Sorry, I you have cut out a little bit for me. Just FYI, I'm not sure what's going on, but you cut out a little bit. Uh, I just said sorry for the beep because the I was starting the dryer. Um, oh, okay. I fought Dr. West yet. I'm very keen to listen to that. I haven't seen much of him lately around, so I was glad to see you had him on. Excited to to check that out this probably this evening or tomorrow morning. Um, I did want to ask a little bit about the crystal ball thing, and last caller kind of got into the the Queen thing, and so I was going to ask you about that, but. You uh you already spoke to that. I uh you know, just to touch on that for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, the Queen is has uh certainly steals money from the British taxpayers every year to fund an ostentatious lifestyle and and like you touched on uh Princess Diana was a little different and I understand why people mourned her death and why it was and I think there's still some circumstances around that that are are uh, of concern as to how all that happened. Um, but the queen, you know, she's she's definitely racist. She's eliminated people from her life, like Meghan Markle. Uh, I think out of from my perspective, racist racist tendencies, and um, she. Uh, you know, the money she steals from the British people every year is, is gross. And um, she has a son who's a pedophile. And that's not debatable either. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm receptive. And I saw someone DM me already saying I saw they saw that I had liked one of Oliami's tweets about how colonial people have every right to be upset today, you know, or to whatever, feel however they want to feel today. And they were like, I'm very disappointed in you, Brianna. And I'm like, look, my general... My general approach is I'm I'm not going to tweet anything like LOL the queen is dead. That's not my style cuz you know I respect the people who feel differently. Just like my feelings about Obama are what they are, but I'm not going to like if someone says happy birthday Obama, I personally am not going to get in the mentions and be like fuck you, he's horrible because again to <laughs> the earlier caller's point, I don't see what that where that gets me in terms of my credibility or public, you know, 
uh, coalition building, I would rather just make the critique of what I want. I have to critique. And I appreciate that, you know, the queen is a human being and she has family members that will mourn her loss as a human being. And, you know, fine. Like I can, I can appreciate that, but I am not related to her. <laughs> right. As a, citizen, um, as a, as a person, that's fine. As a world, as a, as a popular person, she's, there's not a lot to like celebrate in my opinion. I think, right. right. I think that's what right. you're saying. But I'm, yeah. what I, um, so the crystal ball interview was very interesting. Um, I liked a lot of the pushback that you gave her on, on third party stuff. And I, I think that that was very important. Um, you know, frankly, I currently am a breaking points member and keep meaning to unsubscribe because it's just not something that I feel is super relevant to my political um, evolution or political leanings at this point. It's uh, well, because as I think came out kind of in your interview with her, you're just, I don't even know if it's an interview. It's kind of more of a discussion, but um, because I think you guys have a camaraderie that that means it's like more of a back and forth than like a you asking questions and them asking or the the other person giving answers. But they, you know, especially Crystal and Sagar doesn't do it because he's he's coming from a right leaning perspective. But they've really come into shoehorning people into the democratic party and as you as you got out of her and as as she said she doesn't think that third party is that important because it doesn't have a chance of winning well and she touched on the ross perot thing a little bit and that that was obviously the last person that had a decent chance of that wasn't a d or an r of winning and probably would have won if it weren't for some weird shit that happened in 92 but you know i just i can't stand people that push people into the democratic party and crystal does that she does it whether she'll admit it or not and then that really that really illuminating point that she said that i think rbn touched on and sabby touched on as well was when she said i don't really care about issues i care about winning the presidency yeah, issues are important. issues are important and, and and the biggest changes in the last century have been from people that cared about issues that pushed on issues civil rights act uh voting rights act there's and medicare and medicaid and these are the biggest changes in the last century and those are because of of people that cared about fucking issues and pushed on issues that's how we get real change it's not through electoralism in my opinion from my perspective and so people that push for electoralism electoral change are kind of out of my book they're they i don't i can't get on that on that train because i don't see how that helps i don't see how electing more democrats who talk like Ro Khanna does and then vote ha- how he does, or A.O. Sui, who goes to GQ and does this stupid fucking fashion shoot and then says the stupid shit she does in that, which I've only read part of it. But I don't see how that helps us. 
I don't see that how that helps anybody on the left. I don't see how it's anything more than a celebrity game. And that, like, I'm not playing that game. I don't think that celebrity is how we fix issues. Well, look, I, I'm very sensitive to that um, point of view, obviously. Talking to so many of you all who feel that way has really helped me to come to my own thinking on this, which I am trying to convey to other folks in the community that I have the privilege of having access to, you know, like Crystal, like the candidates that I have on the show, like Marianne, like Nina Turner. And I will say that as much, I, I, I just, I, like, I agree with you, you know, and I disagree with the approach that some of them take. Obviously you've heard it on the podcast. I, it, I don't know if it's better or worse. My sense is that they they have a good their faith they they have a good faith belief that I disagree with. That it is possible to win as a Democrat. That more can be and that more can be accomplished by winning and getting into the actual political position of power than by the third party run, which at least in these early days of starting these third parties is going to be largely performative. And I don't think performativity is bad, by the way, but not with, you know, done with, not without, done with the goal, not of getting in 1600 Pennsylvania, but with other laudable goals, which I frankly think might even be more laudable to your point about the people who pushed FDR and, and gave us that was the, the whole, that we had. That was the whole thing, right, with, with AOC, right, and with the squad, right? was like they campaigned differently and they said different things. Right. And we thought they were going to behave differently when they're in. And so this is this is this is what I'm trying to do because I don't I'm not trying to and I of course I respect your decision whatever you want to do. I'm not telling you who to listen to or what to believe. But like I my my feeling what I aspire to do is to continue to engage with these people that I disagree with and help them to understand the frustration that I've heard firsthand from so many of you guys and the people at RBN and such, because I think from their perspective, they see, they see that they, you know, they, from their perspective, they've put themselves on the line. They've put their lives on hold. They have run for office. Someone like Nina Turner has done it twice. They have been the recipients of a lot of hate. Obviously they've had the super PACs aligned against them. They've been smeared as anti-Semites. They've had the whole rigmarole. And I think that sometimes they are, because they feel like they're in the trenches, they are not as sympathetic to the point of view that we have on this show. And they feel like it doesn't, that we aren't sufficiently acknowledging that they are fighters because from their perspective, they are going through a lot kind of personally. And what I've been trying to convey is that the people that you're you're fighting for ostensibly have also been going through a lot personally. That's why we're fighting for things like Medicare for all and a living wage, because what Bernie did was that he collected all this money from people who didn't have very much. And now they're angry and for good reason. And if you want them to stop being angry at you, you have to address that anger and not get defensive and withdraw and say, well, I've, I'm fighting. What else do you want from me? Stop judging me. I'm just trying to get on the inside. And I'm trying to help them to understand that, when they don't expose the ways that the Democratic Party is working against them, when they don't talk about it, when they don't openly criticize them for it, when, you know, Senator Turner, let's say, 
you know, maybe isn't as forceful as we would have wanted her to be about calling out the squad for not endorsing her, not calling out Cori Bush for going along with the Progressive Caucus's endorsement of Chantel Brown. We on the left feel like, well, if you won't call them out, you're basically siding with them over us. That's how I, I see. I, that's how I, I interpret it as feeling. Tell, tell me if you feel differently. And if you won't fight for yourself, if you won't stand up for yourself, if you won't call out the ways in which the Democratic Party is attacking the left, then you're ultimately, not intentionally, but tacitly providing cover for them and all the bad things that they do to control the left instead of trusting us, the left audience, to buoy you, to fund you, to support you when you call them out. We want the version of AOC that comes and talks to us when Nancy Pelosi makes her cry on the House floor. We, we know that Nancy Pelosi is going to make you cry. Nancy Pelosi is doing her job by making you cry. But what we want you to do is to tell us what she said and help us help you take Nancy Pelosi down, not to stay quiet about it, vote present, and continue to basically provide cover for Pelosi, right? And I think that we we really understand that dynamic because we've been talking about it very robustly, and I've had the enormous privilege of having this show where I can talk to you a lot directly. But I think that sometimes they, be it the squad members or, you know, people like, you know, even like Crystal or Marianne, they don't have exactly the same kind of relationship to the part of the left that I think is here and that watches Jimmy Dore and that, you know, listens to Aaron Maté and Katie and that, watch, you know, watches RBN. And so all of they, like, they're just seeing hostility and they don't, they don't feel like, they feel like oh, we're the best that you've got. So why aren't you like more supportive of us? And I think I, I'm, I'm trying to have, what am I, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to have a conversation with them so that they understand, not so that people will say, oh, I'm not going to listen to Breaking Points or, oh, I, screw Marianne. Like what I'm hopeful of is to continue to have these conversations because what became clear to me through that interview with Crystal is, you know, I think that she genuinely does not think that there's a lot of value. Like she's not trying to, I don't think that, she sees herself I, as trying to sheep her people back to the Democratic Party. I think that she sees it as so futile to try to do something outside of the party that it well, is, you know, not she, worth talking about and it is ultimately a distraction. She lives in the Beltway, right? And, and I mean, so do I. We all live in the. <laughs> well, but we, you know, so we all the, live in D.C. or New York, basically. The in this point world. I'm trying to make, I guess, is is she lives in the Beltway and she doesn't hear anything, but like breaking points and the interviewees that she has on there. Whereas you have this Colin where you hear people who are outside the beltway, who, 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 who want real fucking change, who want things to like a real revolution, a real change in how we, how we operate as a nation. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, and I think, you know, fundamentally, before you had a call in, you still had the right perspective and, and it was slightly different from Crystal's. But I think Crystal could benefit from from speaking to real people that that you get every day on call in that that she doesn't get. And so um Yeah, well look, that's why I hope that we all continue to be in dialogue with each other. You know, I hope that people do, you know, listen to breaking points and comment on the videos and give feedback you know, like constructive feedback, because ultimately, you know, I think that Crystal is one of the most, like the smartest 
most knowledgeable, most articulate people in the space. And I, you know, I watch breaking points to learn things. I'm like, if an issue happens, I'm, I, I kind of want to know what the take is over there. I, it's not that I might, it's not that I'm going to have the identical take, but I always learn something from the show. Just like I learn things from, you know, Marianne, I learn things from all the guests that we've had on the show that, you know, might have been disappointing to us as political candidates and the answers that they've given, but whose efforts I fundamentally respect. And I think by having the conversations, they are like, potentially moving closer to our worldview. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you can hope, but yeah. that was the other thing I wanted to touch on, but we've been speaking for a while. I just wanted to touch on it for really briefly, but there was a lot of discussion to Marianne and I know you're friends with Marianne and I'm sympathetic to, to having, you know, the back of, of people that you're friends with. But Marianne has a lot of issues, and she's not on the left in my perspective. From my perspective, she supports Medicare for all. So do depends on what poll you look at. So do a majority of Republicans. It's not. Well, she supports fifteen dollars. She supports. Well, let me just finish, and then I do want to hear what you have to say about it. She supports fifteen dollars minimum wage. So do the vast majority of Republicans. That's a that's a very winning issue in this country. As far as like foreign policy issues, internationalist issues, she's not on the left. The things she said about Afghanistan last year, about a year ago right now, are not It was lefty. August 15th. It was on my birthday and we were together having brunch when it happened. <laughs> that was the beginning of our relationship, in fact. We didn't really know each other at that point. But she are not, happened to – yeah, sorry, go ahead. Those are not lefty positions. Those well, are – like, but, but Chris, be specific. I, I want to get to the bottom of this. Like, uh, so what... well, we, we've spoken about this before, and you and I disagree about what her position is, and that's fine. But she okay. spoke yeah, about women and the children in Afghanistan. So specifically, I, we all know that she tweeted about the women and the children, but I want, I, I'm not trying to, this isn't a gotcha, but I want you to articulate what the, crit, the critique when you, when... is of Marianne. When somebody uses that as a justification to continue a war or, or or an occupation, that is a CIA talking point through and through, period, end of story. You know, you can disagree with me. That's my perspective. That is that is wrong. It is not a left position. It's a conservative center right position. It is a CIA talking point. That is that is wrong. Her position on Israel is Wait, wrong. Stop. Let's deal with the first one first. Let's okay. do with the first one first, Chris. I don't, I, I have, you know, I wasn't sure how much she wanted me to t talk about our private conversations, but like that day we were together when all of that was unfolding with her on Twitter. And part of why we ended up striking up a friendship is because we basically spent like six hours, 10 hours or something together that day talking all of that through. And you can take this or leave it. I'm not her spokesperson <laughs> and you can fully reject everything that I'm about to say, but from her perspective was that she had journalist friends, people in women's rights organizations, things like that, that were on the ground that day, like very much in Afghanistan that day. And they were calling her and texting her in a panic about their inability to get out of the country and their fear about what was going to happen when the military left. And so for her, she was being very literal when she was tweeting about, we need to send planes to pick people up. You know, we care about the women and children. At the same time, as I said to her that day, what you did, what you said was a very common trope. 
that people deploy to justify any number of atrocities around the world. So I understand that you are tweeting in good faith and, and very literally in response to women and children that you know on the ground and who are texting you for help. But do you see how this looks to everybody else? And she agreed and admits freely that that was a dumb tweet and that she should not have tweeted it. Now, I think that she should say that more, and I think that she should talk about that more. I think she should come on the po- on this podcast and others and talk explicitly about that day and what her actual substantive beliefs about Afghanistan and foreign policy are. Um, but I just want to be careful because I think it's completely fair to say I didn't like that Marianne Williamson tweet. But if we're going to say I don't like Marianne's foreign policy you know, what she thinks about foreign policy. I'm not even sure. I don't even really know what what she thinks about, about Afghanistan and foreign policy outside of that tweet. And I don't think that's especially representative. So I'm, I'm all here to criticize her. I just want to make, you know, for things that she actually believes and has said. But I think that the criticism around the Afghanistan tweet is a relatively limited one. Like it's narrow in scope. That's all I would say about that. I mean, what do you make of that? Uh I disagree, but we can agree to disagree. I'm I'm fine with that. I think it shows a world perspective because it's a it's a a recitation of a CIA talking point. And if you're going, if you are willing at any point to recite what the CIA, you know, wants people to believe on any given foreign policy issue, then you're a dupe and you're wrong, and you don't have independence of of thought on these subjects and that's my opinion of marianne she's done something similar and i can't i know you're going to want specifics and i can't cite them right now without uh looking it up and so i apologize but she's done the same thing on israel and on bds and and uh that's a problem for me i can't i can't support somebody like that you know so that I think we've we've kind of exhausted it. If you have anything else to say, fine, and I'm willing to hear it. But uh, Marianne's not somebody on the left, in my opinion. I don't think just supporting Medicare for all and 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 fifteen dollars, which isn't even a living wage at this point in the U.S. You know, fifteen dollars an hour is thirty thirty k a year, right? That's what you know when average rent is you know, $1,500 for a one bedroom apartment in the U S that's, that's after tax, that's 18,000 a year, you know, after tax with 30 K as your salary or as your, your wages is, you know, 25, 26, 27, you know, that's all of your wages going to rent and not living anything else, you know, $15. Yeah, I don't, oh, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't I just don't see her on the left that much. I'd love to see somebody outside of Biden run in 2024. And if it's her that pushes Biden again a little bit to the left or whoever runs Kamala, whatever, you know, I think that that's a good thing. But I don't name name one person that you think would be lefty enough to carry the banner of the left in 2024. Kashama, I don't believe, was born here and isn't eligible. So who else? Well, Ted Cruz wasn't born here. He ran. He was born in Canada. Okay, so that's. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like birth certificate this. But go right. ahead. Name name somebody else. Chris Hedges. Doctor Cornell West, who you had on today. 
Okay. Well, look, I have a panel plan to have a conversation about what it looks like for those people to run. But there are people who had a lot of criticisms of Dr. West from this interview and said his unwillingness to call Biden a a fascist is disqualifying and that he was too mealy mouthed and prevaricating on some of those kinds of issues. Look, I'm not disagreeing. Like you are, it's, if your litmus test is that, no, wait a minute. If your litmus test is that the left banner leader has to support BDS, I completely understand that. I support BDS. I'm looking at my non soda stream soda maker that I paid way too much money for because it is the only non soda stream soda maker that I could find, you know, like (laughs) I, I completely get it, but I just also want to be clear that like, I look, I support, I, I like Elizabeth Brunig. She doesn't believe in abortion. She's a Catholic. I would never say that she wasn't on the left. And I think that there's, it's completely legitimate to talk about people as someone who you personally wouldn't support or you're not excited by for various reasons. That's completely legitimate. I do worry about rhetoric that says someone is categorically not on the left, especially when they've, they have taken hits like Mariana's taken and being the only person, literally the only person to endorse Bernie Sanders in uh, the huge field that ran in 2020. Oh, I guess maybe did the Blasio endorse? I can't remember. Maybe that's not on, that's not an unfair statement, but you know, I, I just still think that a lot of her positions are not lefty and I maintain that. And I think that that's proven out by, by the facts, uh, you know, so I don't want to get into a back and forth specifically about Marianne. I more wanted to say the other things I said. So, and you have a long queue as you always do. So I want to hear some other people and we'll uh, jump off at this point, but thank you, Bree. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for calling in. Take care. Take care. Keep the faith. Bide, you're up. Unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Hello, it's me, the queen, Bree. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I'm calling you from heaven. It's very, <laughs> it's very hot up here. What is that? Very happening? hot. There are a lot of flames. Queen, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that day. you? <laughs> it's me. Oh. Oh, the... Ronald Reagan, what are you doing here? Oh God! Oh, oh I did see that tweet. That you know, the oh, Queen met Ronald tweet Reagan today. It? Yeah, yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a banger of a tweet about the Queen. Oh, the, I hear the Queen met Ronald Reagan today, or something like that. Oh, that's funny. Oh God, man, Twitter is relentless. Whenever they oh. have the 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 rest in peace bozo things, I laugh every time I see that stupid ass meme. Every time. What's the With rest that, in peace um, bozo? Oh, it's like, it's, uh, I think James Worthy, he's like a basketball player from, used to play for the Lakers, but they got a, a Chief Keef song, um, like laughing to the bank over it. And he's just, it's just a gif of him, of uh, James Worthy, just smoking a cigar. And uh, it always has a hashtag, hashtag pack watch, you know, because that's like from the Chicago drill scene. I don't know how into it we get, but like when you're smoking on a pack of somebody, that's just a way of saying like the smoking is you're going to uh do be shooting on them or you know killing them and then the pack part is like who is the person that you're going to be smoking so if you're saying like oh i'm smoking that queen pack tonight then that means like oh she getting smoked tonight i'm gonna we're we're taking out the queen right but it's it's this meme that's evolved from i don't know it's it's a meme that i, I it's just so funny to me because it's just so like irreverent and 
like shitty. <laughs> it's like one of the shittiest things. Look, you, I have never felt so old. I'm, I'm glad that people in the audience are like, yeah, queen pack. Like they understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Me, yeah. an old square does not, but <laughs> I appreciate That's, That your, just you means you have other hobbies. You know, sure. you have other hobbies and things and sure. you, yes. you can't. Also, happy uh, national Star Trek day. Yeah. I'm on that. Sorry. Yeah. No, keep that going. Keep that going. That's um <laughs> No, yeah, I saw I saw your post with the uh, you know, uh honoring the fallen Michelle Nichols and all that and and uh yeah, that was cool. That was cool. It and and, and the Cornell West episode was great and I actually think it it relates a lot into um uh uh what chris was just saying though i mean i i think i i'm not one for purity test politics i just mm-hmm. i don't really see how those help because i think they kind of benefit the power structure as it currently exists right like the first thing they're going to do whenever you get any kind of candidate is try to paint them as you know, try to attack them personally, their bona fides, their, their, uh, you know, how deep they're actually in the shit. Uh, mm. And that's always going to happen. Their character, all of that stuff. And I think you would be hard pressed to find a single person on earth who hasn't said or done something stupid in their life. And I don't think a single tweet or a single, like you saying something that just happens to align with what the CIA wants or a talking point that they're trying to push. I don't think that necessarily means that somehow, oh, all your bona fides, every other part of your life, every other thing that you represent, every other policy that you've ever pushed for, every other blow that you've ever taken means nothing because you repeated this talking point. I think that's, uh, you know, frankly, I think it's, 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 uh, I don't want to say, well, it's, it's not very, it doesn't make sense, right? Uh, it, it just doesn't make very much sense. It's not practical. And it takes sort of the stance of the idea of our politics should be the purity of our politics. It's a bit dogmatic, right? And I'm, I'm not saying that like the, pol- the purity of your politics as far as a policy standpoint don't matter. That's all that matters. But when we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about a tweet. Are we going to accept the fact that people have the capacity to grow and change and that a leader should be doing that too, right? I, I just don't understand yeah. the, the I mean, perfection I, aspect that that's my thing like i completely part of why i keep bringing up marianne or wanting to bring up any other possibility of a person it's because i'm very aware of people's frustrations about these specific moments and i would rather us just get into it and re you know get people to explain themselves or apologize or recontextualize or whatever needs to be done or they stand behind it they say they mean it and then i think it's completely fair to be like okay well i'm not with it then but right here in 2022 like it it seems it seems a little premature to me to be writing people off like i i don't like let's say i don't I, well i live in dc so i'm always going to vote my conscience but like i'm not willing to sit here and say that i wouldn't um be supportive of say trying to think of a left candidate that's plausible and oh okay say say Rashida Tlaib decides to run Mm -hmm. I think she's eligible like let's say Rashida Tlaib decides to run 
I have my critique and my frustrations with the Shida Tlaib, but I'm not going to sit here and say because she voted for the Iron Dome. I don't know that she did or not. I don't remember what the breakdown was in that vote. But because she voted for whatever Ukraine war package or whatever, I'm not going to vote for her. Do I have the critique of her voting for the Ukraine war package or whatever? Absolutely. But if right. I have access to her, if I can ask her the questions, if I can get her on the show, if we can press her on that, then I'd rather just get her to apologize for or explain or whatever about that so that we can all just go ahead and get her and like help her to the extent that we want to help her get into office. Yeah. Right? Like, 100%. I don't see the point in just saying, well, she's ruined to me forever now after all of her advocacy, after her whole life getting, remember that video of her getting arrested at somebody's rally back in the day before she was in Congress. I mean, like yeah. it, people are not the, the worst thing that they've ever done or the right. most cringe thing that they've ever done. You know, Right. Unless you're the queen. And there's just too many of them to count. I, I don't really <laughs> right. have that many. I don't have that many thoughts on the queen. I just think it's fun to be shitty. It's just fun to be <laughs> shitty. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, on that point, though, I, I think and we've, we've kind of talked about it before, especially after because, um, you know, I, I, I did the whole voting for Biden thing, which I don't. It's tough. It's tough because it's like I don't support him, but. I did think we had a better chance of manipulating him while he's in the office of, of getting our way one way or another. And I think there are different approaches to kind of like how, what is, what do you mean by a vote? What do you, what do you, what are we endorsing here? Um, if you can have someone, cause like there's an argument that you can make from a practical standpoint that if you can just get someone in there who you know is just gonna be a puppet to leftist policies, you just put them in. And then you figure out ways to like make them actually like it's going to be easier to actually enact your agenda. Right. It's the what's well, the Noam Chomsky argument. Right. Like the politics is what's happening uh, all the time outside of the actual vote aspect. But, you know, I, that being said, I, I, I acknowledge that there are there are some definite challenges with Marianne Williamson as as a candidate. And I do think that some of the foreign policy stuff uh if she doesn't find a way to clarify it right now, we'll come back to bite her. But I go back to that Gravel Institute video uh, and it was great. It was really, really great. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to say too much because, you know, you do have a big queue and I was just calling to, uh, you know, check in, see how things are going with everybody here. But honestly, like I, I love Cornell West. I love his ability to work with people in different situations to push certain policies that he's actually trying to get done. I, I loved him talking about working with Louis Farrakhan and uh, I love what he had to say about Jimmy Dore because that's, that's how I feel. Um, and I think that's, that's an effective or more effective politics. And it's nice to see someone like Cornell West who has done all of that and kept his bona fides uh, intact. And, yeah. you know, I think, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Well, I, I think he said it best when he's like a, he's a really good faith actor. Um, and he's, I like seeing, it's encouraging to see people who have been good faith actors like that for such a long time, still being treated like the good faith actors that they are. And, you know, that being said, and I'm, uh, you're going to hate me for this. You really are. Oh, probably not, but. Okay. I, uh, okay. I haven't said it yet. So we'll see. Uh, I, I, the more I hear you on rising in particular, the more I really think, and I don't wish this on anybody, I really don't, but I think you might, you might consider 
running for something someday. I know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate to say that. I know you have your peace. I know that you have your sort life. Of. Not really. Not I already don't have yet. my peace. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But girl, I like, I, I don't want any more problems. No, no problems. I know. I know. But like, I think it's impossible for me who's been like, I, it's impossible for me to look at someone like you and the way that you could communicate with people and bring people over. And you're, you, you have certain gifts and certain skills that are just, you just get it. You know, I, I wish I would be making, I would be the best attorney in the world. If I could just right there in the moment, just completely deconstruct an argument, understand it and regurgitate it back in a way that, uh, challenges it sufficiently. You know, it takes me some time. I got to do some reading. I got to go back to my books. I got to think about shit. I got to be in me the shower, too. you know, me well, too. But you, I... could, you do it fast. I've been, we've been seeing Bye. you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Listen. I don't want no problems, but you ain't gonna have no problems, please. You ain't gonna have no problems. Listen, there are enough people. I mean, like, look, like, look. There are people, I'm sure, in the call-in. There are people who you already have connected in your circles who would, they could, they could form a team around you if you ever wanted to do it. And I, I do think. I, I mean, look, my biggest, my biggest, I would, I would mourn the loss of the little bit of peace that you have but god damn you there was another episode um the episode on covid when you were talking about some of the ways you could apply pressure in putting certain votes to congress and it wasn't quite the force the vote issue but it was some of the just some of the additional proposals that you could be making to kind of corner the federal government into actually acting on Mm-hmm. rebuilding yeah, infrastructure where it's needed systems and stuff yes that, like right now with what's going political. on in mississippi this yes. i like maybe i yes. missed it but biden's out here giving speeches on fascism and not on how we have an infrastructure crisis and this is exactly why people should have voted to voted for his entire infrastructure bill right like you right. have kids in school getting covid you have cities with water they can't drink you got california doing rolling power shortages because they are having triple digit heat waves. Right. Right. And I think people like Biden, you see the people like Biden, the people who are in his circle are so disconnected from the shit that the biggest thing for them, you know, they have the actual DC brain rot that, uh, you know, Sagar and some people talk about all the time. They, their circles are no longer connected to the actual constituency, which they purport to represent. And that's not you. And I think, people understand, especially when we're talking about like just your ability to understand how to communicate what's important, when it's important. I mean, look, Mississippi needs about a billion dollars now. The Mississippi thing is is just bananas because they have 2.5 billion that is from COVID relief funds or, or they've already had that in the federal government, but they won't even release it for the building of this water infrastructure. There have been multiple attempts in Mississippi to pass uh, legislation to give Jackson money uh, to to uh, rebuild parts of its infrastructure, and the governor, the Republican governor, has vetoed mm-hmm. it multiple mm-hmm. times. This dumbass motherfucker! Like, dude, mm-hmm. these are your people, you dumb mm-hmm. piece of shit. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll go no, back, but like, I dog, feel you. these are your people, and 
And what is your point as an executive if it's not to actually build the infrastructure for your people who have no choice of where they're born, no real choice in, in, in as to their participation in society, and this part of the social contract is supposed to be you fulfilling uh, their basic need of water, which is literally necessary for their life. And it's like, you know, like people are getting away with too much in these political spheres. And, and, and I can't believe that's not more of a conversation right now. And I do love the fact, I see you out there with like, all these segments you keep bringing up Mississippi. You keep bringing it up. You keep finding well, a way to because work it we haven't covered it on Rising. Isn't that once. fucking crazy? What I'm sorry, I had to go off there? a little bit in the in the Slack yeah. the other day. I was like, "Excuse me, I'm sorry if I missed it because I don't watch all of Monday or all of Friday." But right. am I correct that we haven't covered Mississippi outside of my segment where I shoehorned Mississippi into it, <laughs> you know, into a radar about yeah. uh, Biden's speech? Because, like, otherwise, were we even going to acknowledge that this was an, an ongoing crisis in the poorest, yeah. the capital city of the poorest state in the nation? Yeah, I think I think Batya Ungar Sargon had a, a bit in her um, student loan uh, radar, which said that uh, Mississippi citizens are elitists and they're elites. So um, we actually shouldn't <laughs> be helping them. Like, but that's I mean, that's nuts to me, like, because uh, that's uh, I, I, I don't want to get into a whole thing because then I'll just keep talking forever and the, the queue is long. But the I'm so interested and i would be so interested to figure out how they pick some of those stories on the hill because every time i hear about a transgender swimmer or like a goddamn like the drag show in in wherever and and like these these little things that that they blow up to be more of like big problems than they are you know like when robbie's doing that radar about like one woke school where they had to re uh they're like oh my bad we went too woke or something and they had to retool this curriculum so that's one yeah. school. Like, what are we talking about? We got a whole city of people who have who have been begging for water forever. Here's, here's the thing about Mississippi, too. They've had boil orders on their water since at least, like, July. Yeah. That's what some of the reporting is saying. So this isn't even like, oh, the flooding caused something. This was unforeseen and everything. No, no, they no, had no. the pipes. The pipes free, froze last uh, January or February. Yes, yes. And, and that and, was part and, of the issue, yeah. And and uh, Crystal and Kyle did uh, not Crystal and Kyle, but uh, Crystal and Saga did cover yeah. that. So I give them yeah. I give them credit too. Mm-hmm. But like, where the fuck is? How is even if your goal? This is what gets me. Like even if your goal as a media organization is to make as much money as possible, which a lot of them that's what mainstream media has to do, right? That they, they manufacture the controversy so that they can actually have people tune in and. Woo, woo, woo. Everyone makes money. That's why. I mean, you talked about it with Cornell West today on, on the effect that media had in elevating Trump and covering all of his stuff and the controversy and how they're responsible to some extent for his rise in popularity just by the coverage. Right. And, and I get it because they want to make their money. But like, how is an American city not having water? Not like how, how is that a hard story to sell? You know? Yeah, so like, I don't think I don't think anybody is like intentionally not trying to cover it. But I do think that what ends up happening is they, you know, everybody look, everybody's job and when an yeah. online media platform is very much tied to the idea of clicks. The algorithm yeah. has been hard at, at the hill. Like I don't think anyone's trying to be about it's funny because people are like, oh, the corporate influence of the hill. I'm not saying that it couldn't possibly be the case. And I think the old management that was there when Crystal was there was actually kind of a problem but it's 
gone through like two new owners now, two new management cycles now. And from my perspective is the only thing that is influencing reporting in a way that I don't like is the tacit desire to do segments that perform well on YouTube where the algorithm favors right-wing conflict. Yeah. So I, I, I saw, like, for example, I was frustrated with that we had to cover that story of the guy who killed that, kidnapped and killed that woman. F- fucking insane. Insane. And it's not because, I, like, look, obviously it's very terrible to murder people. Don't murder right. people. Like, right. that's horrible. I feel so horrible for her family. That's, like, such a tragic, horrible thing to happen. I run all the time. It's extremely relatable. It's scary. It's horrible. That is not a national story. No, it's not. Sorry. It has no national significance whatsoever. No, but, you know, a scary black guy who was in jail once killed a white lady, and now we got something going. We can, you know, it's going to perform well. People are going to click. People are going to, oh, my God. You know, every time there's, like, a serial killer or something or there's, like, a, you know, like, Casey Anthony or some shit like that, like, I get it. I get the Casey Anthony part. I Like, I understand why that was a bigger story and everything like that. But our the the kind of click-driven clickbaity bullshit that makes you think that the entire world is people getting murdered every time they go out and run. But the the bigger problem is even that it's a setup for me. Yeah. Because Robbie doesn't have to make the case that uh, Mm. we don't have to have Mm -hmm. criminal justice reform or we don't have to have bail reform. He doesn't even have to make the case. All we have to do is talk about the story and his case is made. I either sit there and allow the case against bail reform to be tacitly made, or I open my mouth and say something about how this doesn't actually, you know, like, what are you at? You know, like, like I forced the issue, you know, I I was like, look, if I say something, it's going to, I'm going to be accused of not having compassion for the victim or having more compassion for the perpetrator. But I'm for I'm like forced in this position where either I sit there and agree, you know, like, oh, yes, it's like, first of all, I have nothing to fucking say. I can't fill an eight minute segment by saying, yes, it's very sad when someone's murdered. Right. But murder is so it's like sad when someone is murdered. Gosh, I didn't know yeah. her, but I yeah, feel, yeah, yeah. sure feel sad for her family. How many times can we sit there and say that? So I'm just like, OK, well, what do I actually feel about this? I feel like you're trying to make it use this to make some argument about criminal justice reform when this case had nothing to do with criminal justice reform. Absolutely. The man was 18 years old when he went to jail. He went mm-hmm. to jail for kidnapping and got 20 years. Yeah, tell me. That tell seems like a pretty long time. Yeah, tell me about so, it. So, so what are you suggesting should happen in the alternative? That he'd be in there for 40 years, 60 right. years? What no do you one think? knew and, that he was going to murder somebody. Like it's terrible, right. but you can't you can't apply sentences to people preemptively on the assumption that they might do something bad again. And I'll that give you is, one better too. That yeah, that idea ahead. that half of his life, more than half of his life, has been in prison in a place where people are treated like goddamn dogs and pigs, where they don't have any rights, where they're they're dehumanized, and then they comes out and he's not human. How, who could have predicted that? Like the idea that our prisons, you know, a lot of, if you talk to prisoners and shit too, a lot of them will tell you just straight up, they became better criminals from going to prison and just like hanging and chopping it up. What we know about this man is that he went from kidnapping to kidnapping and murder. I Mm. can't say that it was because prison. I can't say that if he had gotten out after five years, he wouldn't have murdered someone. I can't say that if he got out right. after 40 years, he would have murdered someone. But what I can say is that the criminal justice system should apply penalties in accordance to the nature of the crime and not to according to the subjective belief of a jurist 
about whether or not the person yes. is likely to commit another yes. crime. Because yes. that's where we get in this dystopian place where I have talked to too many federal judges who I have heard mm -hmm. open their mouths and say things like, this white-collar criminal is going to have a hard time in jail. Jail time is worse for him than other people. And therefore, should get a lighter Ridiculous. sentence. Ridiculous. Oh, he has Ridiculous. a family. Oh, he's used to driving and living in the suburbs. Okay, so you're going to create a society where poor people live in prison-like conditions and then use the fact that their life on the outside is terrible as a justification to keep them locked up like animals in a cage? And you call that a democracy? You call that due process? No. We're not going to sit here all day and talk about due process in the context of Brett Kavanaugh, who was not yes. on a criminal trial. Let's go. <laughs> so that was not at all even relevant. But I understand the, the, the concept of him needing to be vetted in the court of public opinion. But that is not the thing that due process is. We're not going right. to sit here and entertain a conversation about due process with a fucking Supreme Court ju yes. justice who is yes. not on trial. But we're not going to care about due process when we're talking about a human being who was a child when he went to prison. Right. I'm not, that, that's, I'm not saying that out of compassion. I'm saying that because he, he had a child brain that was not fully developed. Mm -hmm. And he went into prison for 20 years at the age of 18 years old. Yeah. And instead of having a conversation about why it is that he got out and killed somebody, you are knee-jerk responding and saying people who seem scary and dangerous should just be locked up forever regardless of what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, 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 your ability to articulate exactly this and to walk that tightrope whenever you're even set up on that damn show. And I've seen it enough now and we've all seen it is exactly why I think you should run for something or consider it at some point, because not everyone could just do that, honestly. And I, you know, I was someone who came to the Jill Stein party late. I, you know, my story, you know, I did that whole Democrat shit for a while and the mm -hmm. liberal. And then it was just like, these motherfuckers are lying and they have been for a long time. And it, mm -hmm. that come to Jesus moment. But even when Jill Stein was out there, she ain't, she wasn't helping herself sometimes in some of those debates. She wasn't helping herself in the way that she came off sometimes. And I, that stuff is so stupid and it shouldn't matter because policy is what we should be talking about. Policy is what actually affects the lives of people. And all this fucking show around it is, is ludicrous and it's hurting our politics. And it's hurting people. It's actually hurting people. That being said, the fact that you can do that, holy shit. Like, you can do that? The fact that you already have the credentials that people are going to come after you for? Oh, well, they need to be Harvard. They need to do this and this. What have they done? What have this done? The fact that you have it, you just do, right? And... I'm not saying, look, I would like to move more to a politics where it's, it's policy-based. It it's a hydra. You know, you can't just get rid of one person or another or this or that candidate because it doesn't matter because they're all going to push the same shit. And then, then you actually have a movement that can challenge power because, you know, you, you can't cut the head off the snake or whatever. But as long as we have snakes or, you know, as long as, as, long as we need heads of state and the like, like dog you're pretty, it's, it's hard to deny. It's, it's hard to deny that you're well set up for that. But I know you hate that. I wouldn't ask <laughs> anybody. I wouldn't ask anybody to actually do some shit like that because I think, I think the way that we treat people who are candidates sometimes, it is completely dehumanizing and like, it's fucked up. It's really, it really is. And it's, it's not, you know, and I'm, I'm making fun of the queen and stuff like that too. But when you think about it too, there is a human being underneath that shit.
You know, yeah, look, I, and, I watched The Crown, uh, and mm-hmm. look, she didn't ask for this either. <laughs> you know, she didn't want to be queen. Obviously, queen right. Princess Anne really was the one that seemed to have the personality for. I mean, to the extent that any of us care about the monarchy existing or there even being a queen, but like in the there were the family dynamics of it. I think were quite compelling. Feeling like she had to at a very young age take over this responsibility and have the resentment of her sister trailing her and having this weird Nazi husband and all of these things. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. great, and she was a product of her time in a lot of respects. And like, I get it, but. You know, also, if you were uh, coming from one of the places that were colonized and you want to dance a little Irish jig or, you know, do a mm-hmm. little samba mm-hmm. or whatever is culturally appropriate <laughs> to your particular colonized nation, hey, I support you. And I get oh, it. That was, that was rude as fuck, though. <laughs> that was so rude to see them just doing that all good and they're just all in that line and everything just dancing oh wait did you did you see the one there's like three black people like one's a child i think two are adults or teenagers and they're standing in a circle in a room doing a dance and someone said like irish twitter black twitter and indian twitter having a a, a (laughs) day and they're like i think i think that was the the best one (laughs) that's awesome i'll go look for that right now but uh i see my man chicago red coming up what up chicago red i see you uh (laughs) Always a pleasure talking to you, Bree. And again, happy Star Trek Day. Same here. Thank you, bud. Happy Star Trek Day. Red, I'm so excited. Bye-bye. To have you in the queue. I'm going to say, I'm seeing that the queue is even longer than usual. So I'm going to try to pick up the pace a little bit. Don't take it personally if I don't linger as long as I have with the guests uh, so far. And I also just have to say, to Bide's point from earlier, I do have to stand up for my girl, Dr. Jill Stein. She is also a Harvard-educated doctor. So it isn't that people tried to act like she had never done anything in her life, too. She's been around the block. (laughs) Okay. All right, Red. Tell me your truth. What's going on with you tonight? What's the word? (laughs) We smoking on Queen Pets all weekend. (laughs) I've got Queen Pets coming all through for the whole weekend. Fuck this shit. Bree, I don't even know if I should tell. Bree, if you dare want to try, I, I don't even feel right even telling you this because I was gonna say if you want to understand what this pack shit is, look look up a song by Chief Keith, Car War, but you probably ain't even wait. understand anything he's saying because he sounds like he got water in his mouth the whole time he's rapping. Wait, 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 Just wait, trust wait, me. If you, if, his name's Chief Keith. Chief Keith. Wait, Chief like T H E V E Keith. No, Chief, like Chief. Oh, Chief Keith. Sorry, sorry. Chief Keith. Okay, okay. Chief Keith. What's the song called? Talk is Cheap? No. No, what? what? <laughs> Bree, please. <laughs> no, the, the internet is giving me the Toby Keith. I don't know what's happening right now. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll look for it. Chief I, Keith. It's Chief. This is like Chief. C-H-I-E-F. Keith, oh, K-E-E-F. I'm sorry, Chief Keith. So I'm like Chief Keith, like cheap, like a like a person doesn't want to spend money. Okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. All right, all right. Okay, but go ahead, Red. What's on your mind? Oh my god. Oh shit. Nah, I had. I know I ain't been on in like a minute. I had to take a break as soon as I saw all that student debt shit come down the pipe. I was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm already <laughs> at the brink. So Bree, I owe you an apology. I, I, I mean, leave you out here. On that front, on your own, but that's one of you. But I feel like student debt. I feel like you don't need no after that for a minute. Hey, Red, you're okay. you're you're cracking up 
you're cutting out for me a little. Hold on, wait, let me see. Ah, oh, shit. All right, you got me? Yeah, oh, that's much better. All right. Nah, I I had I had the wrong from that shit because it, it's getting crazy over here on it's it's getting a little crazy over here on the left. I really don't know what to make of of any of this shit. I did not expect so much fight on our own side on uh mm-hmm. student debt. I was way more fighting on our side than it was like on the right. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as podcasting today, hey, look, drop and stop everything for the great Dr. Cornell West. Just had to. Mm-hmm. Just had to. I, I always put my family on to like all of his videos, and it's just like I mean, I don't know, Bree. What all is so much going on with the left right now? And I, I get it. Everybody want to feel like all right. There's two years before the next presidential. You know, do we got two years is fast or two years is long, depending on how you feel about it. But. Mm-hmm. Ev- but I don't I don't know. It's just like this shit with Mississippi is a prime example as to why you got a lot of people, including myself, that's probably feeling like this inside this inside game shit ain't worth it. I mean, there's some good faith. There's some good faith allies that we can like trust within there, like Dr. Cornell West and some others. And I'm not even one of those people that have like a purist heart or a litmus test of like oh well is this person really a leftist if this and that the third but I don't we don't got nobody that can pick up this mantle from Bernie right now at this point so I think we kind of need so it's just kind of that's kind of why I even have to feel like take the break because at this rate I don't even know what the hell I'm arguing for anymore yeah I Bernie really did have some unique qualities. I gotta say, I, like I, I felt it in 2016. I was so crushed. In some ways, I was more crushed in 2016 than in 2020 because it was really the first time in my life that I ever even had the expectation of voting for someone who wasn't a compromise in my own mind. And I was really struck by what a miracle he was. This this combination of having had a really long record. But that record is, doesn't isn't filled with a bunch of terrible stuff he has to apologize for, for having all the credentials in terms of being a senator and having been in the House and having been a mayor and everything that you could ask for in terms of leadership positions, of being a political independent that wouldn't be tarred by the negativity associated with the Democratic Party, to have the message discipline that he has, like you you can't you kind of can't even make something like that up in a lab. And his only real flaw was that he was old and was only going to really have a bite or two at the apple. Right. And so it, it's, cru- it's crushing when he, because it was, like, we obviously don't support, you know, Obama substantively. But I, I felt the same way about him as a candidate in terms of, like, if your goal is just to have a black candidate, like, he felt, like, designed in a lab to be the perfect black candidate. You know what I mean? For, for the yeah. liberals. And, and quiet is kept. And, and quiet is kept. A lot of this distrust with a lot of this distrust with the left kind of got to come from kind of got to come from his ass too, because his ass was in there 100%. saying all of this shit, all of these progressive things too that he said he was gonna do. 100%. I'm overturning Roe. I'm a uh, codifying Roe first uh-huh. day in. What the 100%. fuck happened to that? So he holds a lot of this. There's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of distrust on the left, and it's rightfully so. But it, you can't just 
but we can't just like just subsidize all of that and just be like we just got to keep playing this inside game because Bernie got the closest and it was and I was and if everybody feel like that's safe and it's just like with all of this always oh, biting the fastest and everything at this point I'm getting real sick of these damn labels and shit and it's like because every label that we want to call ourselves or every movement that we want to come whether it's Occupy Wall Street. It's progressive. It's leftist. Don't motherfuckers just find some way to take it and water this shit down. White, wash the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah. So I feel so. Yeah. yeah. I mm-hmm. I say this like fuck it. I just say fuck it. Maybe y'all need to just take on the bad words that they don't want to that they that they're not gonna want to try to like take from us. Take on socialism. Take on communism. Take on those names and see where that gets you because. I, I, I gotta say the inside game just ain't in it just ain't it for me no more with it. And I mean I get I at most I can just say is if we do get a progress if we do get a progressive in, it's like I'll be like Dr. Cornell West, trust me, we got so much we can disagree on, but for the better good, I'll work with you and I can push you there. But I'm not giving no more money. I can't necessarily say you're gonna count on my vote. It depends. It depends on the person, but I mean that's kind of like where I'm at with it. Cause I'm talking with family and friends, and it just it just be like everybody sitting here like talking like what are we gonna do two years from now, two years from now. It's like it's so quick. Take it from some. I take it from like a lot of my homies in jail. They'll tell me, nah, time ain't short. Life is long. Two years is a long time for Biden to fuck this up. In words of Obama himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm at a place where you're even, even the arguments about, I mean, someone earlier said, you know, I'd support getting the more progressive person in, even if it's Biden, because they're easier to push. And I appreciate that argument. I don't have super strong feelings about it, but I do look at Mississippi and I think to myself, would there be more public anger about it and more of a push to do something about it if Trump were president? Like if, if Trump were president, and Mississippi was without drinking water. And the day that basically the Mississippi news broke, he gave a speech. I think that was, wasn't that Thursday? Maybe, maybe it wasn't the same day, but let's just for the thought experiments do it the same day. The day that the news that, that the capital of Mississippi didn't have water, he decided to give a speech about fascism and how the Democrats were terrible. What would Democrats be saying about Donald Trump and his priorities? What would how would how would the media narrative be really focusing on how because you know because because of racism and all of these other kinds of things Trump was neglecting the people of Mississippi and not directing federal aid to Mississippi and not doing enough for Mississippi and imagine how we would have talked about Katrina if there had been a Democrat in the office at the time. Of that. It's gotten to a point where it's almost perverse. Like you can't even get anyone to pay attention to a bad thing that's happened unless there's a Republican in charge when it happens. Shit. Damn, that is damn, I just kinda thought about that. That's just kinda fucked up. Mississippi shit happened under Biden. Then the Flint thing happened under Obama, right? Mm-hmm. They there was a saying fuck- governor, so that was like a little bit of blame that happened there. But Obama, of course, took his ass down there and drunk. Yeah, he took his ass down there and said, can I get a glass of water? Mm -hmm. He said, it's fixed. Stop complaining and and drink this. 
yeah, I don't know about this. Ins- yeah, I don't know about this inside game shit working out no more. And I mean, I get it. Like the left is like, like I know you say you don't. I know you say you don't want to run. And I mean, I, I, Biden, what up, homie? If I forgot to say it earlier, Biden, what up? I know you said, but Bree, I know you said you don't want to run. Personally, I don't want you to run because if at worst, at worst. And don't please don't take this the wrong way, Bree. But I just don't want them to make a. I just don't want them to make a Bree pack out of you. Look, because I, I I feel like they'll kill you. I, <laughs> I feel like you can't be you can't be bought. You can't be bought. You can't be reasoned. You can't be bullied. So they they just gonna be like, nope, hell no. We just got kill this one. Nope. I would just we like just to gotta say th- I have no suicidal thoughts or ideation at all. If they find me laid up somewhere and try to say did it to myself, I absolutely did not. They're not gonna Sandra Bland me. Like just know, I said it here on this podcast. I love being alive. And we burning this motherfucker to the ground if they try it. You guys are so ridiculous. Look, in all seriousness, like I have said enough things on just the hour or two that we've been on this podcast to damn any political campaign. They would clip me up saying that laughing to one of you, you jokers saying something about the queen. And that would be the end of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, who don't give a fuck? Really? <laughs> Like, come on, shit. Hey, look, I'll even say it right now. Fuck it. If I want to think about running, y'all can clip this shit all the fuck y'all want. I don't give a damn. <laughs> I don't give a damn that old girl that. The longest bloodline of like some of the longest, richest colonizers of all. Plan- fuck her. Shit. Like I said, Queen Pack all weekends. That's what we smoking up, rolling up. We'll have them on the block ready. Shit. Oh, man. But, oh, my. But, okay. Uh, Last thing, because I, when you were Bible talking about this shit with uh, Robbie and the criminal justice, I seriously don't get that shit. I, I, listen, I I get it. There's there's so many hoops and hurdles you gotta hop over just to not sound like the angry black girl always complaining about criminal justice. This that I don't personally get why the hell be doing any of the shit neither. All I all I'm all, Bree, just please hear me out on this. All all I'm going to offer is. An unorthodox solution. Okay. I'm listening. An unorthodox solution. Feel free to disagree with me on it. <laughs> An unorthodox solution to all this to all this criminal shit. And I cannot take credit for this. This is actually an idea from George Carlin. We just need to take four Midlands, Midwest, Midland states, like Wyoming, Kansas, Nebraska, places ain't nobody going to. And just make them shit prison island and just start grouping up some of these people in there and make that like the new civilizational for prisoners. Violent criminals, rapists, maniacs and crazy people, drug addicts and alcoholics. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Not not necessarily drug addicts and alcoholics. We got we to gotta at least make sure we got a rehab plan first to give people a chance to clean themselves up before we just dump them off into the middle of prison Australia. island. Australia. Your new Australia. <clears throat> before we do that but mm-hmm. yeah and and we make a new law for the ma- and there's a new charge for the maniac and crazy for the maniac and crazy island any politician that comes up and say they're gonna come up and say they're gonna come up and say they're gonna do this and that and then turn around and start making excuses get charged and impeached imme- get charged and impeached and immediately thrown into the island <laughs> Look, Red, I, I would recommend listen I <laughs> Bree, all I'm going to say is type in George Carlin, balance the budget, listen to what he say, and just 
think about it. <laughs> okay. I will do that. I will George Carlin balance the budget. The budget. <laughs> I can I can spell that a lot better than um yeah it Keith Keith Chief Keith, Keith, Keith War. And I see you guys dragging me in the comments for not knowing who that is, but I would like to. Y'all, y'all, chill, chill, like y'all. Breed, don't feel bad because it's like Chief Keep. <laughs> like we don't even get Chief Keep proper respect he needs to make that shit mainstream. Like a lot of these motherfuckers today are really like copycats and poses of his. But if, but okay, Chief Keep War. Listen to that at your own risk. But I'm telling you, smoking a pack is something disrespectful. Just, just know that. If you hear somebody say they're smoking a pack, they disrespecting whoever's name is behind that shit. And George Carlin, and George Carlin balance of the budget. I I really want that one again because if you listen to that, then I really I'll be curious on your thoughts on that. It it won't be necessarily just throwing. At least if we're gonna lock them up somewhere, at least they're still gonna have like a they still gonna have like a place to their own. We can give them like little apartment homes and shit there and whatever. I would, just, I would play this right now, but it's eight minutes long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, I was gonna say, well, like the first two minutes, like it's it's a joking sketch, but listen to it at your own time. But you'll get it. You'll get where he's going with this shit in like the first two minutes. (laughs) Okay, we can listen to two minutes if you if you think that's useful. I got a lot of good ideas. Balance the stupid fucking budget. Here's another idea. I'm gonna save a whole lot of money on prisons, but at the same time, we are still going to remove from society many of our more (laughs) annoying citizens. Four groups are going away. Permanently. First group, violent criminals. Here's what you do with these Emmy Award winners. You take the entire state of Kansas. You move everybody out. You give them a couple of hundred dollars for their inconvenience, you know. Might have to make that a couple hundred thousand now. And then, you move them out, you put a big ten-story electric fence around Kansas, and Kansas becomes a permanent prison farm for violent criminals. No parole, no police, no supplies. The only thing you give them is lethal weapons and live ammunition so they can communicate in a meaningful way. He was then you put the whole thing on cable TV. <laughs> the Violence Network, VNN. <laughs> and for a corporate sponsor, you get one of those companies that loves to smear its logo feces all over the landscape. Budweiser will jump at this shit in half a minute. All right, next group, sex criminals. Completely incurable, you gotta lock them up. You could outlaw religion and most of these sex crimes would disappear in a couple of generations. But we don't have time for rational solutions. Much easier to fence off another rectangular state. Rectangular states are cheaper to fence, saves the taxpayers money, you know? This time, Wyoming. But only for true sex offenders. We're not going to bother consenting adults who like to dress up in leather Boy Scout uniforms and smash each other in the head with ball-peen hammers while they take turns blowing their cat. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's a victimless hobby. Uh, Think how good the cat must feel. All right. (laughs) But you got to get the gist. I get the gist right here a trip. Look. Uh, Present that at- unorthodox idea to Robbie, and let's see his counter to that. <laughs> you know, I brought up uh, Squid Games this week, and he'd never seen it, which shocked me because he's such a nerd. But yeah, I'll, I'll propose uh, Squid Games slash the Hunger Games to Robbie and see what he says. Thanks for coming, <laughs> Red. No doubt. Keep the faith. Keep the faith, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Take care. I'm saying this. <laughs> All right. Uh, Harvey J., how are you? Hello, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind this evening? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to be as funny as the previous caller. There's no way. I've, <laughs> That's okay. I, I, Red's I've energy is unmatchable. 
All right. And, but let me just start off by saying that um, I will tweet Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. I tweeted it today. I tweeted it when Madeleine Albright died. And I can't wait to tweet Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead whenever Hillary Clinton goes back to hell. There is not, there is not a person, like especially a colonized person on this earth that I can imagine begrudging that, that right. So ring, ring away, ring the bell away. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think I, maybe you're probably already aware of this, but this is something that Jimmy covered on his show, um, I guess, yesterday or the day before. Mm. Uh, it's, it looks like we're heading towards another forced to vote moment with uh, this uh, side deal that Manson has with Chuck Schumer for mm-hmm. fast tracking all these pipeline permits. And mm-hmm. that's being tied together with uh, one of these, I guess, uh, you know, one of these bills that funds the government without which mm-hmm. the government is going to shut down. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly. And so to his credit, Bernie did put out a video on it a couple of hours ago and he did make a speech in the Senate about opposing this and, you know, uh, all the corporate media is like uh, Bernie's leading the, uh, I guess, the revolt against this bill, leading the progressive revolt against this bill or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if he actually follows through or if he's going to bend the knee one more time, which is going to be heartbreaking. But, you know, we're used to it at this point. Yeah, I think I saw um, producer Armand uh, sent that to me. Where is it? He sent me the video, but I haven't watched it. Um, you know, he still works. <laughs> he's like the last person from the campaign that still works for Bernie. He's not literally the last person, but uh, so I, I stay abreast of what is going on over there sometimes, what, what's been posted, you know, what videos have been posted. So, yeah, that's a really good, oh, it is Bernie's birthday. Oh, really? That's rough. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it's, it's September 8th. Good, good. I knew it was a Virgo, but I didn't realize today was his birthday. So, you know, on Twitter, when you click on somebody's page and it's their birthday, mm-hmm. like balloons come up? Mm-hmm. That just happened. Okay, so... Where is this? I'm seeing a lot of videos. I'm not seeing that one. I, uh, I, saw, I, I, I saw this on YouTube, so he posted it oh, to his okay. YouTube channel. So maybe you okay. haven't clipped it up for Twitter yet. But anyway, but uh, to the, uh, well, this was something that Jimmy mentioned. The progressives have sent a, a strongly worded letter with Jayapal and AOC and all signing on it. So, you know, I guess they're doing, mm-hmm. quote unquote, something. Mm-hmm. But we'll, 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 we'll see what comes out of it. Look, it. What, what do they care about an appropriations bill? Like, Republicans spent all of 2012 can- threatening to cancel the government over the dumbest stuff in the world when Obama was president. So let's go. Let's well, they, well, well, go. Well, they, they, they did shut the government down. Remember, I guess Ted Cruz yes. with all this. Oh, my God, the spending is out of control, blah, 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 whatever, uh, in his greasy accent that he speaks in. Yeah, I, I was uh, – I had um, – I was selected for jury duty around that time, and I was so excited because I had a terrible job, and it was better to be in jury duty than to be in my terrible job. And I wasn't being paid hourly, so it was of no consequence to me whether I spent eight hours a day <laughs> in jury or as a lawyer. And so I was waiting around. I went through almost the whole process, and when they were about to voir dire me, like they were picking people in the room and doing them one by one or like in batches. And they had to shut it down because it was 4 p.m., and they couldn't um, – it was during the sequester is what it was. And they couldn't keep it going because they couldn't pay anybody after 4 p.m. And I was, like, I was like, my name was like next. And I was so upset because they ended up settling the case the next day. And I never even got to be voir And I was like super excited about it. I was like, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to answer all these questions. I'm going to get on this goddamn jury. Because it's hard. They don't like lawyers on juries because they tend to boss, you know, they tend to 
exert too much authority <laughs> in the room. But I was like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to get on there. I can get on there. I can get on there and spend like a week here and not at work. So yeah, no, I vividly like, remember like a, that. Like a, pre-co- like a precursor to your rising panels or whatever. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so you're hoping that you're hoping that this is another force of a moment and it's, uh, I guess we'll just all wait and see. Yeah, and I hope they do shut down the government, honestly, because I, I, I get that there are workers who will not get paid, and these are already difficult times. I get that, but uh, this this bill is really disastrous. Like, how much more drilling do you need for oil that will not even, like, come? Uh, uh, if, if there was a situation that you would drill and immediately the oil would show up at the pump, that's just not the way how it works. So the OPEC cartel isn't, like, structured for immediate oil delivery delivery that you drill in your land right now so it just even in the short term it just doesn't make any sense at all so um so shut down the government it's not like they're doing anything good anyway so why not oh god i sound like robbie for sure Uh, sorry about that so (laughs) (laughs) well look i i will take a look at that you're right i haven't been following it but i'll look at the jimmy door segment and i will try to find that bernie video as well but thanks for um raising it uh, one one last thing, I don't know, maybe this is something that uh, has been brought up, but uh, obviously you have like the, a great slate of guests and this week was like a bomb week for you uh, with the <laughs> guests that you had on. Uh, always nice to uh, get that ray of hope from Cornell West. Um, however, have you ever uh, thought about doing a, a collab or a podcast with the Red Scare Girls? Because... Um, I, I really like their content, even though they pretend that, oh, I'm so stupid and I don't know anything, I'm a retard, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, f- I find that their takes are uh, quite, uh, you know, insightful. Even Dasha, who, uh, you know, she says, I'm, I'm a total retard, but she'll say something super insightful, which I feel that uh, might, be, uh, might be a good way to break out of the uh, socialist Marxist bubble, I guess, let's say. And it might be nice to discuss something with them. And, you know, it, it could just be even a fun episode where you're just guessing how much, uh, how many bottles of eye drops Taylor Renz put in her eyes before doing the MSNBC segment where she cried. So it's like so much. You know what I would love to do is get, let's say, Red Scare and Taylor and let's see somebody else who's on the rest Like, like uh, what's her face um, from What's Left? Uh, what's her face? Uh, Amy Therese, and like a whole <laughs> clan of people who are always scrapping with each other in one room, and have that oh, maybe Ole. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally maybe would. Azalea, so, maybe Azalea Banks. I don't know. <laughs> Lol. Well, we, we have to have we have to have some moderators or something. But um, so I right before uh, Bad Faith launched the summer of 2020, I was unemployed and not really checking my emails very uh, often. Uh, but when Bad Faith launched, I think we tried, to, I, like, I was going to write to them, and I discovered at that point when I searched my inbox that I, they had emailed me, like, a month before to come on Red Scare, and I just hadn't seen it. And so then when I emailed them about coming on Bad Faith, I think it maybe came off as, like, now I have a podcast, so I'm willing to do this media. You know what I mean? Like, and so I never heard back from them. So I definitely would. I mean, like, I haven't asked them to come on since, like, the first month of Bad Faith. But I, I would absolutely I would absolutely have them on. I know people have a lot of thoughts and feelings and questions with the Alex Jones stuff. And, you know, the, you know, the choices that they make to talk about the things that they do. And, like, I get it. Uh, but I think it would be an interesting conversation. So I will let you know if I have any success on that front. And if you they often, are they, they, a, a they, they often They often have the, these love lines where – 
they have people call in to ask for advice on love. So you could maybe just hijack one of those and just call in. <laughs> well, I love doing that. I secretly wish I were just a relationship podcast. <laughs> I love giving people advice as a single 37-year-old man woman. <laughs> <laughs> But thank, thank you, RBJ, for, for calling in. Am I pronouncing your name right? That is actually correct, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I love that for us. All right. Keep the faith. <laughs> All right. Keep the faith. Bye. Bye-bye. Chris Brown, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I am like three drinks in right now, so Ooh, excuse I, me. I good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I decided to make a margarita, but then I was just, then it just tasted so good. So now I'm like, I'm three margaritas in. So everybody, yes, excuse I, me I'm if having, I cuss. No, you can cuss away. I'm having a Pavlovian response to the sound of that ice clinking around in the glass. I just started to salivate, yeah. and I'm like, Ooh, what <laughs> What I got in my refrigerator well, right now. <laughs> exactly. I'll say, well, you don't got to work tomorrow. Well, you're not on rising at least tomorrow. So. No, I've got a couple of good interviews scheduled, though, for you lot to record. Oh, okay. So. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, I actually wanted to talk to you about uh, Game of Thrones. I saw you in Robbie's segment and everything, and I was mm-hmm. like, I have no friends who really love Game of Thrones. And I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn. So when I saw you, so I was like, okay, well, I would like to get your opinion on a couple things. Okay. I love this. Okay, so as far as Game of Thrones is going, especially this new season, and for me, I'll say it's definitely a breath of fresh air because that how how it ended the last season. Trash, garbage. But, oh, 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 man! Like, can I tell you something? Like, I'm not a violent person or nothing, but if I ever run into those producers. It's smoke. It's literally smoke. This, these are the only people in the world I have smoke for right now for how they ended that last season. So I was kind of like, um, I was just like feeling some kind of way, even when like they was announcing it and everything. I was like, I'm gonna watch it, but it's I, I just feel some kind of way about how it ended. So I don't know how much I can invest. That being said, three episodes in, it is Game of Thrones. It's what it is literally what it was supposed to be, and I personally feel like these characters are so good. So I actually, the first question I wanted to ask you is, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. your favorite character on there? Ooh, okay. So I would like to say that I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I have heard people say that they think it's slow and boring and they are not invested in the characters. Lies. I have, I have my, I have my crit- critique of various aspects of the show. However, mm-hmm. I am thoroughly enjoying it. And I thought that the third episode in particular really yeah. has set up a bunch of stuff that I'm very interested to see play out. Yes, yes. So I am fully trying to know if the main girl ends up with that little uh, octoroon fella. Octoroon. <laughs> no, he's not octoroon. I guess he's just biracial. But the, the yeah, bi- There we go. There we go. The, <laughs> the the you know the the Valerian black guy's wife, yeah. the kid with the the queen who never was. I'm extremely yeah, yeah, interested in seeing that plot development. Yeah, yeah, because they could end towards that, and um, from. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that because it was, I'm, it may have been spoilers. I don't know. You know, you know, Twitter likes to spoil things and show pictures and capture pictures, but they did have like a spoiler and it was something, it, it was somebody else. That's all I would say it, from it looked like, and it looked like from the pictures they showed, it looked like they were a little bit more intimate than what they were supposed to be. So I'm just going to say that. So, but, okay. So Robbie has read the books. So Robbie. Oh, I have not read the books. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't Robbie, need. Robbie was like not trying to spoil it for me, 
But when mm-hmm. we were talking about the race aspect of it off camera yeah. after the segment, yeah. he said that he, while while the the Valerians or whatever are described as fair haired mm-hmm. and pale in the book, he could see why based on a plot development, it could be useful and relevant for there to be brown skinned ones. I think because of the context of a pregnancy and knowing whose kid was was a father of a child. Oh wow. Okay. So I'm very interested to see who's about to have a little <laughs> quadrant. Sorry, let me stop. A little yeah. a little one quarter black baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like there is drama. If yeah, there nothing is some wrong with style drama <laughs> <laughs> around the demographics of this particular show. Man, um, yeah. So yeah, so okay, let me tell you who I'm interested in. I am okay. interested in the in the in the like reckless, crazy brother. Like I don't like yeah, he's everyone's about favorite. how they're doing the character, but like he's obviously more interesting to watch than like the sad king who's just lame and sad and like, oh. Robert Baratheon Redux. Okay, like whatever. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm kind of intrigued by the best friend, you know, the queen the queen, I guess. Oh um, yeah, yeah, uh, yep. Because like, I, like they're playing her kind of meek and like she's kind of mad at the moment. But old girl started off that way too—the redheaded girl that's married to the Jonas brother. Um, the <laughs> one, the, the, the sister, I, Arya's sister, the redheaded tall girl. Oh, 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 yes, 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 Sansa, yes, Sansa, Sansa, Sansa. Sansa yeah, started off real boring and annoying too. Remember, she like uh, killed right. her dog or something. Like she was really irritating and just a big sister and annoying. But then mm-hmm. she matured into one of the more interesting characters. And I think like her weirdly like coming to to uh, old, the princess's defense here and there, like doing mm-hmm. her own thing, like stand like betray like going against her father's wishes in terms of like telling the king trying to tell the king what to do on the crab it lands and all mm-hmm. of that stuff like i think there's promise for her to be an interesting like when, when they grow her up when they age them all into yeah. adults I'm, I'm i'm interested to see whether the woman that's cast to play her as an adult like is a good actor who can really land the idea of her being a an independent thinking fierce woman who has a legitimate conflict with the princess and some of the other people on the show yeah yeah those tensions i think are really interesting to explore yeah um yeah like i think yeah she's she's not as i guess she's not as much as a i maybe this is not the right word to say but she's not a she doesn't seem like she's presenting herself as more as like the of a victim of what she's been because clearly she got a nasty ass father. Can we talk? Let's right. just start with fucking Hightower. That nasty, nasty, nasty old man. Like, I don't mm. know what is on with him, but it's clear like everything that he does is just for the idea of his name and his brand to get more in power, like in more in the power. So mm. like when he. Oh my God, that's the, I was, um, I said something to uh, Olemi because Olemi, her mm. post was, so fucking funny but um what was she so, saying yeah, well she was just talking about like the nastiness of him and everything that like he is literally like the worst and i'm like i'm totally like i, I agree because it was mm-hmm. like yo like you only offered the idea of her to sleep with her younger two-year-old brother just for the it literally was only for the idea of well this is my grandson so if you marry my grandson and then my mm-hmm. daughter's married that's all it was about mm-hmm. and i was like oh mm-hmm. it's just it's just that's just, just kind of nasty so mm-hmm. yeah oh man i think my my, my second question was wh- who do you think is going to be the first one to die 
out of what you okay, meant. Clearly they're about to kill this king. I thought he was <laughs> going to die on that hunt running around yeah, drunk, he's weak. trying to kill that stag. Yeah. I thought they were really truly going to rob a Baratheon him. Yeah. Um, but, they, I mean, like, once he dies, obviously everything's off and popping. Like, once he dies, then it's the fight for the throne, and so I can understand why they were trying to draw that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think they're going to kill the brother because he's too interesting and they've got the only recognizable actor I know to play him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they truly killed that crab king, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I ain't going to lie. I was hoping a little bit more for that, but they chopped his ass in half. They, they oh, chopped sorry. him like a red lobster meal, let me tell you. <laughs> they I just was him like... right up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, wait a minute, is that half of him? Wait, what's going on? Like, and he's like dragging his half dead body. I was like, well, clearly he wasn't that big of a foe as we thought he was. Right. They all were the, setting him up all to be like the, the White King or whatever, the Snow King, the whatever King. from the North. The Night King. They yeah. were setting him up yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was kind of unsa- Like, my biggest criticism is I, I think that that whole conflict was mm-hmm. handled stupidly. And Robbie was saying that that's not really in the book like that. Like, it's alluded to, but it's not described in detail. Yeah. So I think they came up with that for the show, and they didn't, like, do a good job. It didn't make sense. Like, how were they for years hiding in the cave on the ocean? Like, what did they eat? What fresh water did they have to drink? Like, exactly. Like, because they had to make that like that. Because otherwise, obviously, the people with the flying effing dragons would have easily defeated them. So they had to come up with this pretense that, like, oh, no, they never come out. So the dragons aren't, they they don't do aerial warfare. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, because, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, so yeah, like even like like how they drew the Crab King and everything like that, like it sounded like he was well looked like they was trying to build him up. And then mind you, it was like what was like three, four years in advance. So from when um the black dude ended up making a deal with the brother, that was like it, they shifted three, four years. So it was like so y'all been fighting a war with a guy who lives in the tunnels for three or four years and y'all have right. made no progress. And right. all it took was the king writing a letter saying, Hey bruh. I'm gonna fix your problems, and he right. just like that, and then he just he's like, nah, no, no, right. I'm going in there. I'm just gonna kill. I'm just gonna just take the whole thing on. Fuck it, right? And then got it. So yeah. Also, we got that second dragon that I will say. First of all, yeah. the brother's dragon. Why is it so skinny? It's a skinny little red <laughs> dragon. I don't like that dragon. But then here comes my man. <laughs> Oh, my oh, thick dragon. I am. I'm not going to lie. I was like, okay. okay. nothing wrong with that. Mr. So Mr. Yourself, with his little white locks. I w- I'm here for the white locks. <laughs> Robbie was like, don't you think the hair looks a little weird? I said, absolutely not. I am it's, 100% invested. It's yeah. these white locks. I am here for the white locks. So, uh-huh. yes, I'm very invested in Mr. White Locks with his uh, thick dragon. And <laughs> 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 that that like I'm I'm happy he saved the day, but also like that whole scenario was just dumb. And they and then they could they played it up too much. Like if it's just gonna be a dumb throwaway person who gets defeated, then don't have all these close up shots of crabs eating people's eyes out, making it all spooky wooky. Like exactly. no, he's just some ashy guy in a cave apparently who can be Literally, locked ashy in guy half. With bra- I'm the ashy guy with what? I'm sorry, cut out. I uh, said, so Ashy guy with grayscale. He's cl- so I guess yeah. They, he, he had grayscale and stuff like that. So he's just some ashy weirdo so, who never talked. That's what my brother said. Are we sure that it's grayscale? I think it's grayscale. Huh? Do Which we made think it... someone's? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No. Um. So like, it makes me think like 
Oh, well, I guess it makes me makes the point why they didn't draw that out, because as we know, grayscale eventually drives people crazy and turns them into brutes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So but I'm pretty sure it was grayscale that he had on that, that it was all over his face and his little dead eye and everything. So do we think there's going to be implications to that? Because the whole point of grayscale is that it's very contagious. Yeah. So it could be maybe it could be something that plays along with Damien. Yeah. Okay. Like you've given me some things to think about. I think that we should move on. I think I have to move on because I don't know I how much you. tolerance the chat is going to have for this. But I want you to know, Chris, that I very much enjoyed this departure from <laughs> politics. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Thanks for calling in. All right. Uh, all right. Kyle, you're up. But also, um, who's just said I got kicked to the back of the line and there were the three behind? I and Day, I won't forget about you. I'll keep it tight, Brianna. All right, you're a hero. What's up, Kyle? No, I'm, I'm incrementalist Kyle here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, How are you doing? Oh, super fantastic. Okay, you super fantastic in you and your Robbie's uh, intro- introduction competition. I've noticed you each have a introducing competition. <laughs> super fantastic. Um, All right, I'll tell him that one. Yeah, we've got a super fantastic show for you today. <laughs> um, and actually, that was part of my, uh, the reason I, I stuck on here is you need to understand, I really do appreciate, I listen to your calls and I listen to this show. When I first started listening to this show, I did feel like Forrest Gump at the SDS Black Panther party, right? <laughs> um what a reference. But, but <laughs> moving forward, I, I do, um, there, there's a reason you got someone who was a Bush Cheney operative in 04 to be listening to your, your podcast two nights a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I, I, I thought a lot more about what I did not articulate tightly the other night regarding the regarding when it goes to judgment, I told you it goes to judgment regarding. And, and, and I think the three things it's, it's the, obviously the trans issue. It's the, the, it's the COVID protectionism and it's the crime issue. Those are the three issues that when I, I, I could get everybody on board who, when I say everybody on board, my folks who are the moderates in Indiana, who are the Republicans who like you, like I hear all the time agree up and down with the left issues, healthcare for all, legalized marijuana, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Up and down the Bernie Sanders. I, we hear I, um, Kalinsky, all of them. They talk all the time about how the left is winning on these individual issues. So then the question becomes, why isn't the left more popular than it is? And I would argue it's crime, the trans issue, and the COVID overreach. I'm not so sure if folks... Are... So let's talk about um, someone like Bernie Sanders. He's a real person, so we don't have to talk sure. in the abstract. He's a candidate that was on available for your parents and your friends and stuff to vote for. For so sure. What did, what did Bernie say about trans people that was uh, prohibitive? 
to make it nope, easier. Doesn't, uh, nope, doesn't matter. He gets tarred with the overall, he gets tarred with the overall conversation with okay, the what, Megyn what, Kelly. With what the, about... What about Bernie Sanders? What about like what is the conversation that you've had with people that says I couldn't vote for Bernie Sanders because he said X about trans people or believes X? About no, 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 no. Bernie didn't say anything. Bernie's a great politician. That that's not. So I'm just, I'm just See, trying to be specific because like what is sure. the trans issue? What are people advocating for that's distasteful? Who was who's on the left? What leftist is it that is saying some specific thing that your your people are alienated by? No, it's not a it, no no. no, no. Brown, I'm so sorry. It's not, it's not a leftist thing that anyone said. It's a wh- wh- when I say that. That's not, so your parents it, don't it, like. It, it almost sounds derogatory when I say that. When I say the trans issue, okay. When I say the trans, mm-hmm. um, let's say even. Uh, oh, okay, let's take one half step back. Okay. Okay. If okay. if. If in 2004 I was to be, if I was to be hesitant about gay marriage, okay, mm-hmm. I could rightly be called today a bigot, okay. So maybe uh, it, it, it's that discomfort level. It's I, I'm not saying it's rational. I'm not saying it's proper. I'm saying it's middle America. And the and and I'm saying one of the three reasons why, when we talk about the popularity of leftist issues, why isn't the left not more popular? And it goes to the judgment. It, Brad, you you articulated it. You're the one that said, I. They're gonna get these candidates are gonna get asked the question, "What is a woman?" And it's gonna be a shit show. Of course, it's going to be a shit let me, show. Let me ask you this, All Kyle. of them. You, I, I, you had said that. Out and- of curiosity, Kyle, does it bother you about conservatives that they spend so much time talking about issues that don't actually impact you or your family's life, assuming that none of your family or friends of are trans? Of course it bothers me, and it's infuriating, so, but so I used to do it for a living, and it's easy, and it works. So, so here's the question, Kyle. Like, I mean, you're you're asking me to defend things that I've not said and you're and, no. and attributing, okay. wait a minute, wait a minute. And attributing to the left, a kind of focus on issues or a lack of prioritization of certain kind of maybe class or economic issues that I don't think is true. I think that what is a, what, to the extent that there is an alienating political entity in the world, it is not actually the left. It is liberals and the left's biggest albatross to bear is people not understanding the difference between those two things i for I sure i didn't so i didn't until two months ago right so i the, didn't the, until so two I months think, ago know the difference i thought it was a liberal right so and the, then I, the, I, the I, task, I all of a sudden realized that i that's that's a dirty word right so i think the the task kyle is to help people understand that the a lot of the critiques of liberal of liberalism that the right have there's a version of that critique. I won't say it's the same critique, but there's a version of this of that critique that exists on the left. And part of what I am trying to do is put out the left version of these critiques so that people agree with me about identity politics, that there is a way that people are 
uh, focusing on identity in a way that's covering up what the substantive politics of a person are. That is supposed to be just, you know, I'm supposed to think uh, Kamala Harris being vice president is worth the suffering of black people. Correct. You know, I'm, I'm calling people who legitimately criticize Hillary Clinton for legitimate reasons, sexist, just because there are other people who are sexist. All of those kinds of things I will critique. I'm, I'm hoping that if I make those critiques, I can pull people on the right who know that something is wrong here, but who only the, the only critique they can find is somebody on the right saying, you know, black people are trying to take over the country or black people are trying to force their agenda down their throat or Latinos But it's not the only whatever. critique they can find. I didn't mean to, I, I'm sorry, but it's not the only critique no, no, no. they can find what? because no, they can couple that with what they've heard for years. When I say they, Midwestern people who listened to Rush for 30 years and they heard about how the government is looking to, and, and Robbie, you deal with this all the time with Robbie, this, this monstrous abstract government that wants to take control of our lives. And then when we, we kind of poo poo the issues like the DC, like the mandates, like the masking, like the right, right, right. W- but, whatever but Kyle, Robbie. But that's that's not exactly what I'm saying. What well, the, the point that I'm making is that I, I'm agreeing with you that if the only person that is critiquing, for example, identity politics is the, is the right, then obviously that version of the critique is what they will jump on, even if. They don't necessarily believe with every in every aspect of it. And I would much rather, instead of just blindly defending Democrats or every person of color, make my own critique that I think is more substantive and frankly less bigoted and have them see that the only reasonable people aren't on the right. There's reasonable people on the left, too. And that's the project. So I, I want to be very specific here because there is a way that we can talk about these issues and messaging that corroborates unintentionally some of the biases that exist. And to the extent that there is a focus on, let's say, um, an intentional raising of an issue that I think, frankly, is for people to deal with and between their doctors and with their families, which is transition. Bingo. Bingo. To the extent that there's a conversation like that that's happening about that that's happening on the national stage, I think it's completely in bad faith. And people who think that that is not their personal political priority should be asking Republicans, not leftists who frankly don't really bring it up, (laughs) but should be asking Republicans why they're trying to make this personal private issue, uh, an issue of national concern. The same way that I would argue to Robbie and some of the, you know, producers, why is this really tragic, you know, independent thing, you know, new, you know, narrow thing of someone being murdered. Why is this? (laughs) Right. I was wondering why that was even a story. I'm I wondering no why that was a story. Yeah. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> no, fair enough, Brianna. So, so then the last thing I will say, mm-hmm. and then I, like, I, I promised you, I'd keep it tight. You, you, you spoke to the trans issue. You spoke to the government mandates and then uh, you've, you've had crime. Um, mm-hmm. you, you've had crime um, stories at this last couple weeks and maybe my biggest Maybe my biggest pushback with you personally on this issue. I can't believe I actually get to talk to you about it. Like, I, I can't believe you take these calls, to be honest, um, is is you have said that abolishing is the extreme position. Defunding the police is the compromise. And I just 
that's the only thing that I think is in, I don't want to say bad faith, but I just don't see setting the flagpole so far to the left as to abolish the police than to say, well, we're going to defund them as a compromise. I, I don't think abolishing police is is is, is feasible. So then it, you, you can't make a compromise to something that's not feasible by saying we're going to defund it. I, I, I don't know why the, the, the word demilitarize didn't come up. We're not going to abolish defund is the extreme position, the moderate position, we're going to demilitarize. Oh, I, I, got you, I don't know so, who's, no, I don't I know you, who's going to argue you. against demilitarizing. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. Just let, I, I got you. I got you. You made your point. So the, I think the point that, did you see the video of the police officer uh, uh, like last week pummeling that uh, white homeless guy? It was horrific. Okay. Like, so you, so you know nauseating. what I'm saying? No, no, no. So, like, let's, let's, I'm going to get to the point. So nothing about that happened because the police are militarized. That wasn't one of those situations where they're all bat- armed with their battle armor like at Uvalde. They're not driving tra- tanks to the city. They weren't shooting around some military-grade weapons. It was old-fashioned dudes with fists who piled up on a person and slammed his head into the sidewalk and beat him to a pulp. So that is Because they thought they could. Right. So that, that is why we talk about defund, because as much as I wish, and we have been trying for literally decades to simply give people training and do d- diversity and inclusion work and talk to cops about different kinds of behavior, the system has been built in, set, in a way where the culture is so entrenched that many people think that there is no, there, it is impossible to reform it as much as it would be impossible to say reform Raytheon into being a flower planting <laughs> company. It's just not going to happen. So it, that, there is an acknowledgement that, of course, something needs to, to, to exist to catch violent criminals, to, you know, there needs to be social services that can scoop up people who are causing harm to themselves or, you know, are in having mental health crises and to have people get all of the drug support, uh, rehabilitation, all of that. But that only, what is it, like 3%? I think it's 3%. It's some single digit number of all police police activities or calls relate to violent crime. So what defund says is if we're spending all this money on police and we're spending more every year and police budgets go up and up and up, and you have cities like LA where something like a third or 50% of the city budget is dedicated to the police and there's no relationship between how much money is spent on police and how much money is spent on crime. And we're spending seventy, eighty thousand dollars on police salaries to so that they can arrest people who are committing crimes because they don't make seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year and can't afford a house, then that something is broken here and we could just spend that money better. <laughs> and naturally when you spend less money on something, you are funding it less. You are defunding it the same way we've been defunding education we've been defunding public colleges we've been defunding our infrastructure we've been defunding the fda we've been defunding the irs we've been defunding things for years and people in the defund the police movement you can argue that it's a slogan that doesn't get to what i've just described well sure and that makes it easy to mischaracterize and you know people have made that argument and they will continue to make that argument and that's completely fair however i think that people the real failure is everyone backing off of the slogan instead of just making the argument until people understand what defund means i can't prove that i'm right but when people criticize defund i choose to use that moment to explain it like i've done just now and so i want to know what what do you make of that framing of it even if you don't use the word defund 
I will use that in my defense when I am trying to pull people over who I am speaking with. That is, mm -hmm. th those are all great points. I'm, it, it's, it, as a former operative, it's just so much easier. It was so much easier as a conservative Republican, guns, gays, and God. That's all, that, that's all we had to, that's all we had to message to. And so to, to have to deal with these complex issues and to message and communicate them. I, 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 I promise you, I'm not saying I have a better idea. Mm -hmm. I am saying that when I talked to my dad, who was a public school teacher in Indiana for 40 years and then retired down to Florida. Mm -hmm. And he is a McCain, Obama, Trump, Biden voter. Okay. Think about that. McCain and Will then Obama <laughs> and then Trump and then Biden voter. And, and, and that's someone who he's my focus group. And I talked, and, and, and when I talked to him, it, it, he, that he, he's kind of the alpha of his group. And I, I get to know what, what they're what they're thinking and how the communication is filtering down to them and when when rush and talk radio for 30 years has told these folks that all the democrats want to do is to control your life and then when they have these mask mandates which robbie i cannot believe has Real last name is Suave. You cannot tell me Robbie Suave <laughs> is a real last name. Can I tell but, you? I thought until fairly recently that when people said Robbie Suave, they were like joking around until I heard no, for it at sure, work. me too. I no, like sure. I ironically, like, oh, Robbie Suave, Suave, Suave. Yeah, like... yeah, no, that's I like. It's just it's too perfect not to be ridiculous. But when 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 they talk. <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I, I lost it. When, when they talk about what's going on in Florida, that's that's the feeling when they've when when these folks who listen to the radio for 30 years, these Democrats, all they want to do is control you, and then there's these easy stories to cherry pick, like the Hill does, about how the government is controlling these mask mandates and COVID and whatever. It reinforces that, and it's harder than it's harder than be, when I've made progress talking to people about Medicare for all and when we uh, student debt forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's it, I, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but it's still in me, and so I know that it's still in these other people in Indiana, and 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 it's and it's the three ish. It, it's it's the crime okay, abolish so first to fund the trans issue and COVID protections. I, I, I hear you. And to, I, this is what, something I think that more leftists and, frankly, liberals, if they cared about saving their ass, but they don't, should say, which is you have got to stop. <laughs> like, what you, I want them to ask people, what do you want? What is your political <laughs> priority? What is the most important thing in your life? Are you, are you voting on the basis of the thing that you would help you in your life out the most? Or are you letting somebody else who does not share your economic interests define what your personal political priority should be? Because that, that's the reality of what's happening with conservatives. They understand that their interests are very openly aligned with elites. Trickle-down economics is the 
greatest trick the devil ever pulled. The Republicans are literally saying 100%, we're gonna just going to do great things for rich people. And trust me, it'll help you too. It'll help you. Bingo. You know, and people have fallen for this. So Republicans, I don't know what voodoo, ma- like, sorry, I shouldn't say that, but like what magic they're no. using. But like it works. So the, I think you just got to really could try to, and I'm not saying it works every time. But just, no. when, I, when I was on the campaign trail and stuff, that, that is always my opening salvo. What matters to you? I'm making no presumptions about it. What's hard in your life right now? What would make your life easier? What are you struggling with? And if they don't have answers, I throw out a couple of things. Are, mm-hmm. are, is your health care okay? How is your housing cost? Are you able to make rent? Are you having issues affording education for your kids? How's your kids' public school? What's going on with you in your life? And inevitably, they're like, oh, yeah, actually – Healthcare, a hundred percent every time. Or sure. actually, I'm having trouble like getting my family member on Medicare. Like they're not qualified. Like something like that comes up, and then we're off to the races. We haven't talked about political orientation. We haven't talked any about anything. And at the end of it, I say to them, "Let's say they're conservative." This happened to me. I've told this story before about a woman I met on the plane on the way to cover a Bernie event in Kansas. I heard it. And, you know, like she was a Republican. Her whole family was a Republican. She's the nicest lady. Her kid came and her adult daughter picked me up and drove me to the Bernie rally. And she's the nicest conversation. We had the whole conversation without talking about specific political parties or actors. But she brought up how much um, Medicaid saved her life and how her kids, her daughter and her kid, her daughter wouldn't have insurance without Obamacare. Well, she called it the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, her, you know, the whole family was basically living with her because they couldn't afford housing. And so at the end, before I got out of the car, I was like, look, maybe you want to come to this rally. It may or may not be of interest to you. But Bernie talks about a universal housing guarantee. He talks about Medicare for all. And, you know, he has a jobs program. And I don't know if those things would help you or your family. I don't really care about party identification and all of that. But you should know the conservatives have, have tried to cut Medi- Medicare repeatedly. She was shocked by that. She had never heard about that. I said, yeah, like, I don't want it to be true. I'm not rooting against Republicans, but you can Google it and you will see that they have repeatedly tried to do that. And so I'm concerned that that last safety support that your family has might go away if Republicans get too much power. But like, I was, you know, thank you so much for the ride and have a good day, you know, and that's all you can do. It's of course it is, Brianna. And that's an incredible anecdote. And I, I could share some of those. And just my concern Mm -hmm. is that if you had happened to have had that conversation, let's say 10 days before the Mm -hmm. first Democratic debate this upcoming year for whatever progressive is going to be our choice, Mm -hmm. okay, or whatever leftist or Democrat, whatever, I, 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 you said you're, I've heard it on here, whatever whatever economic or personal the the, the question's going to get asked what is a woman and you said it and i agree it's going to be a shit show and it goes to well, no then... i don't i don't think it has to be a, a shit show i think there are many answers but you have to be prepared that's all i'm saying you, you I don't, for how- sure, but I don't think they will. I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust the president to articulate it. No, I don't Biden's trust. I don't trust anyone currently to articulate it. And I'm not even saying. Um, I I've come so like I I get it right. It's it, it's for me. It's a 100 percent not a cultural issue. It's a political 
issue. And, and I'm just very, I'm very worried that the three issues that I spoke of are going to be easy enough for the right to characterize and to caricature the left and to where our economic issues don't get through. And I was fortunate enough, I've seen it from the other side. I worked for Mitch Daniels in 2004, 2005, 2006. He was a Republican governor in Indiana, and he got a bunch of shit from the right for saying, hey, guess what, guys? We're not going to talk about, for the next eight years, guns, gays, or God. He was a Republican governor in Indiana, and we got a ton of stuff done. Um, and, 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 and so I, I think that there has to be someone who can say that to the left, who can say, listen, we're going to talk about issues. We're not going to talk about the cultural wars X, Y, and Z. This is going to be your pocketbook issues, and 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 that's all I'm saying. I'm I'm just I'm just concerned that that the conversation is is too easy to change, and and too easy to um to monopolize with bullshit, which I can absolutely agree is bullshit. Yeah, well, look, that's the project: figuring out how to you know thread the needles and not abandon communities at the same time that we don't fall into traps that are set by the right who want us to talk about the things that are the most spicy instead of the things that unite us. So I appreciate you calling in, Kyle. Fair enough. I'm out of here. Hey, for a white, I'm still allowed to say your hair is right, too. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) Have a good night. Good night. Hey, Rika. Long time no chat. How are you? Hey, Brie, the trans issue enters the chat. Just kidding. Just kidding, Kyle. Just kidding. Just kidding. I saw you yes. guys in the chat saying we could come through. <laughs> no, I ain't talking about trans shit today. Nuh-uh. I'm off. I'm off, boo. Um, yes, I, uh, yes, long time no chat, but I have been diligently listening where I can um, to all the amazing content you are, you know, putting out there into the world, the amazing takes you're putting out there into the world. Flowers to you, girlfriend. Flowers. Thank flowers, you. I flowers, appreciate flowers. it. I appreciate yeah. it. What's on your mind? What's been up with you? Um, well, the time old question of who's a fascist, you know, is <laughs> upon us. And I I do love, I mean, it's I think it's so I just want to comment and talk about kind of like what I've what I've seen is like kind of the trajectory of this question because right when I feel like we became more more conscious of like who's a fascist a little prior to Trump and during Trump's uh, election in 2016. Um, and, you know, cause we had the really outspoken organizing around Antifa, right. Happening. Mm-hmm. And people were kind of like, like mainstream media liberals were like actually kind of more in the, the position that, you're kind of taking in this moment where they were like, oh, we, we shouldn't say that. That's a little too extreme. Like that's, that's, you know, not that that's exactly your point. I know your point is way more nuanced than that, but I'm just there. If it, it, it feels like, I don't know what happened, but then all of a sudden it became politically advantageous to, to actually name, name names, <laughs> so to speak. And, and it's kind of disorienting. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, wait, Biden's saying and calling 
the fascist a fascist? That's crazy. Because, like, mm-hmm. beforehand, it would have been like, no, he's my best friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I just, I don't understand kind of, like, the, what, what um, made the, it more politically advantageous all of a sudden. Like, it, it, I'm, like, really confused by that. It, it's a good question. So, first, I do want to make the distinction that. And this is, I said the same thing of Bernie about the article I wrote when Bernie didn't want to call Trump supporters racist. That my argument is all about the supporters, not about the people. Like, Bernie fully called Trump racist, and I fully support Biden calling whomever he thinks is a fascist a fascist, like in terms of political leaders, senators, Trump, whomever. It's the mm-hmm. it's the question about what your obligation is to the citizenry that I'm I'm really talking about. But what what 100%. caused the tables to tip? What caused the that's a really good question because it felt like the gl- first gloves off moment was around the student debt stuff. And I don't know if mm-hmm. they saw how well that went over and how people were happy to see that fight in Biden and were like, let's double down. I don't know if they got some new polling in that suggested that like what they got to do is not convince anybody, but just turn people out and that people will turn out if they get hyped up on like some red backlit speeches. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a good question. Cause there does seem to have been a shift. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's why I said your argument is way more nuanced than that. I like, mm-hmm. like this is probably. Oh, I'm, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Oh. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, you're back. Okay, you're back. one second, mm-hmm. one second. Someone will be trying to call me on this call. Um, so yeah, no, I totally your your argument is right. Like, and I'm with you on that. Like when we, and and I also there as someone who's in the streets watching Antifa, you know, do it work its magic beautifully protecting people and you know watching other anarchists organize in really important ways against there are real citizens like there are real people out there organized as fascists you know Mm -hmm. and and i do think there you know there's a part of me as as a you know as a citizen of this country that is like kind of like, well, if you, if the shoe fits, boo, you know, like there's a, there's a part of me that's, there's a tension there with like understanding mm-hmm. what you're saying and with, as a political leader, when you do that, what are the effects, what happens when you alienate people like that? Who are you ultimately responsible for, you know, and the downstream consequences of that. And there's like this piece of me that's like, just emotionally like, well, I see all these people out here supporting a fascist at some point we, you, you know, you got to, a spade a spade, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do, which is why I loved what Dr. Cornell West was saying is just like speaking truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I, I really love that he, it was kind of just simple and plain as that sometimes you just got to speak the truth. And I, I feel like we need to just do that more when it comes to these kind of salacious issues. Like, you know, just to talk about transition stuff for a sec, literally a second, you know, (laughs) people just need to speak the fucking truth. Like who's getting it? Who's not? Why are they getting it? Just say the truth. Cause when you just say the truth, then the reaction that you're leaving on the table or the the reaction that you're going to get is the simple quote unquote cultural disgust from the right. Cause that's what it's really about. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're just disgusted. Right. And you know, and I know Robbie Suave can say like, if you're, you know, I believe trans people can, but no, but behind that, behind this movement is a, is a worldview and a disgust for the fact that there are people who do not, 
who do not fit in this cis binary world. Right. And like that. And I think, yeah, we just need to keep speaking the truth more. And so I really appreciated Dr. Corner West being on there saying that because it's kind of simple. It's a really simple fact. Speak the fucking truth and let people react. Yeah, I, I really did like that too. I'm wondering, I, well, I don't want to corner you into this conversation, so I won't ask it as a question. I'll just say it as a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, there, if you haven't seen it, there is a clip. The Vanguard guys just broke it down of me and Robbie earlier this week. I think it was from Tuesday's episode. Of course, there was some reason that they had us talk about uh, some trans-related issue. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it provoked this conversation that I thought was kind of thoughtful and better than the way that most of these go. And in the course of it, you know, I was like, I put the example, the counterexamples to Robbie of how nobody seems to care about, you know, adults taking their kids to Hooters and taking these kinds of photos, but they're so scandalized by the sexuality of a drag show. You know, there's, you know, all these, you know, young girls that regularly get rhinoplasties and boob jobs and things and nobody cares. But when a trans person does it, it's all, they use language like lopping off breasts and they use all this violent <laughs> cut off, hack off, all, you know, they yeah. say all of these kinds of things. And it's like, it's a big tell. And, and he was like, yeah, like if you, that hypocrisy demonstrates the extent to which they're just fundamentally, what did you, what did you say? Disgusted Disgusted. or whatever. Disgusted Disgusted by the idea of, you know, whether it's drag men dressing as women or whatever it is. And like, that is when you strip it away, that's obviously what's really motivating in here. And I was like, yes. And it was, I thought it was, you know, he, he, we're getting to a place where that's the kind of, you know admission we get the problem is we still have to keep fucking talking about these things yeah 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 yeah. and and i think but i think it's if i i don't have a problem i guess here i don't have a problem with people talking about it if that's the conversation that we're getting to right because that's that's deconstructing it you know that's like putting you know you're, you're getting you're going a little deeper into the argument versus just the shallow reactions and the kind of clickbaity kind of responses, yeah. right? Like, I you mean, know, the, so. The, the, the problem is, and here's where I don't think we're at all equipped to have the conversation. But if we're, if the line that has been weirdly drawn as a consequence of all of this Boston Children's Hospital bomb threat stuff uh, and the mm-hmm. libs of TikTok stuff is 18 years old. And Robbie, as a libertarian, <laughs> is very happy to say, once you're an adult, you can do whatever you want to yourself. I'm a libertarian. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But and then many people on the right, I think, are kind of coming around to that point. They they've realized that it, yeah, it sounds too compromise. much like bigotry to say, you know, <laughs> I have to be involved when you're an adult. But they still have a place to be where it's a child. Like they feel like they they got yeah. them in with the child stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. you know that 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 is the more difficult question where, you know, and again, this is the conversation I can't really have with. Like I don't think that anybody of us are qualified to have. You know, my understanding is that the whole point of people having this long process of psychological evaluation and et cetera before they're they're allowed to have surgery at any age is to prevent people from want, needing to detransition, people from making mistakes, making sure that there aren't other uh, issues going on, that there aren't kids who just are going through the trials and tribulations of puberty that are, you know, hating themselves in the way that we all unfortunately do at some point or another and that it's really something more significant than that. But – the existence, and this is this is why you know Jesse Single set off the hornetness that he did. The existence of some small minority in the grand scheme of trans people, detransitioners, has opened up this argument about what are the risks of people, especially in an underage group, and is it quote unquote legitimate to have a conversation about whether or not the medical practice has reasonable guidelines? 
And now they're pointing to changes in Europe, apparently. This is, again, it's not my issue, and I don't spend my time following this the way that some of these conservatives do, that have revised their advice for people specifically in younger ages and are advising increasingly that people wait. And, of course, the dialogue that I've grown up with is that people are so traumatized and so dysphoric and so upset that they are you know, prevented from having gender-affirming care that there is as high a risk of self-harm and death that as there is basically in, um, you know, having regrets or whatever down the line. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the kind of equation as I understand it, that's being worked out. Like how much of that is concern trolling, how much of that is a legitimate conversation. And even if it is legitimate, why is it being foregrounded in the way that it is for political reasons? And if it is legitimate, should the, the answer be, okay, fine. I'll acknowledge that it's, you know, 18, 18 is the line and that there's some movements that are being made in Europe that are reasonable here and that it should be between a, a family and their, you know, a person and their doctor or whatever, and maybe the family and that's it and cut our losses. Or mm-hmm. is there, are we, is the, is the fight that we should be fighting about, you know, the 16 year old, so the 16 year old's right to have the more comprehensive surgical interventions, not just like the hormones and stuff, which I think are mm-hmm. also not that debatable. I mean, mm-hmm. but I, again, you said you don't want to talk about that, and I'm not trying to drag you into this, but like that's yeah. the next level of conversation that I can see coming down the pike and that I would rather not be having on rising. Cause I'm the last person, like I'm not the person who should be having those conversations. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And I think, and certainly know, Robbie isn't <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's where you actually have, you know, like people who are, who have been fighting and organizing and providing gender affirming care, uh, you know, and to weigh in on that, right? Because they are the ones that are doing it. Those are, those are the ones now, and, and, and to do it with the intent to be like, yeah, here are the people that are actually having this conversation, like who are actually involved in that process, right? Where, and not doing it Matt Walsh style, like trying to trick people into saying mm-hmm. things that are problematic. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right on it. And I think that's exactly where it needs to go in the sense of broader discourse and understanding. I mean, ultimately what I like people to go to, which we're not getting it because we're focused on these like, you know, and it's a bigger question. This is like, this is the culture war in my opinion is like, what is gender, right? Like, why are we so obsessed with this? And this, you know, like in that conversation, you know, people it's like, I don't know, it's both philosophical and abstract and then not, right? And it's it's a it's something that we're not going to get to when we're bogged down about like also particulars of people's um you know procedures and genitalia right like that that's mm-hmm. the other piece to me that's like the sad part that's missed in all this is that we actually have an opportunity to continue to really dig deeper in terms of understanding how what gender as an oppressive category can be yeah yeah and the way you know so. I'm fascinated by that conversation, but I feel it's a little bit none of my business. But yeah, <laughs> I, and, 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 and some of it's like kind of turf adjacent, right? The conversation yeah, about to be a woman yeah. does it mean that I'm conforming to, you know, historical gender norms, and is that anti-feminist in and of itself? Like, you know, yeah, if yeah, I feel like I have yeah, to put on a dress and have long hair, is that also part of the problem in the first place? Listen, it, it, yes, it's, a, yes. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, but, thank you for humoring me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't yeah. cut you off. No, 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 no. I was just, I was just, at, you know, like my whole point in calling on was just to really um, say that, yes, let's, I think we're, we do need to, as a po- 
political tactic, continue to name truths uh, about the other side and calling them out for what they are as fascists. I think that is, it's politically advantageous for us to do so now. Then let's continue doing it. They call us commies. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> right. Robbie, like you said, he said something like, um, you're accused of, or something like, like, I wouldn't like it if somebody called me a socialist. And I was like, accused, Robbie. Let me buy a socialist t-shirt on. Yeah, we have fun despite it all. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Rika. Yeah, take it easy. Take care. Take care. All right, Ayanda, I'm going to come back here and scoop you up. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry the, the machine kicked you to the back. What's on your mind? Um, I think I think Isaiah was in front of me. But, I mean, I don't know if oh, you want to. No, yeah. Just say your piece. We'll get okay. to Isaiah. So, um, I think the last time I spoke to you was your birthday, and you said it was a birthday show, thing, and I thought that it meant that it was, like, a, like the show's birthday, so oh. <laughs> I completely, I completely, like, skipped it telling you happy birthday, and I felt embarrassed <laughs> afterwards, um, so I believe even though it was a long time ago, um, <laughs> but, um, I guess... I I I think I reflect a lot about of my thoughts on and what happened in 2020 like and who like my horses were cuz again like for not again but for context I was only like 19 and 18 when these like discussions were being had but and like you know who I was supporting and whatnot and I like think a lot about the fact that in hindsight right like it was uh, the cho- Bernie was the obvious choice in hindsight, but for some reason I did not like I did not like Bernie Sanders, <laughs> and like I was trying and like all this time I'm trying to pinpoint like okay why is it if you were in your shoes like if you transport yourself back then what what ways of thinking can you correctly arrive at Bernie Sanders again or what were the things that turned you off right. And as, like, being surrounded by, um, like, all these, like, like tech people and, like, business people, people who, like, work on Wall Street or whatever, um, like, for their internships or whatever, like, the discussions that um, were had, like, I really think that it really came down to about two things, which was the wealth tax, tax discussion and then the, um, the like, the... Medicare for all, the fact that they were out, that they were outlawing um, private health insurance. So it was making health insurance, um, private health insurance illegal. Wait a minute. Right? Are you a mogul? Are you a health insurance mogul who's super rich? No. To the so, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Uh-huh. 18, 19, like, I was dreaming. <laughs> we were all dreaming, right? And, like, like those were, when I told, but, like, when I tell you that's what dominated the discussion, like why, like what is with this wealth tax business and yada yada, right? And I think, like, ultimately, what it, what it comes down to, right? And I think my analysis of the situation is now, right? That when I think Crystal, like, there was this one segment where Crystal, um, that she did, where Crystal, like, kind of spoke about this with the wealth tax, because in her view she said in her view i'm summarizing what she said that like the wealth tax is more about collecting a certain amount of money from a certain group of people not necessarily the exact mechanism of how you're going to get this tax yeah. right and i feel like if i was just told that one thing 
back in because because like you know her and Sager were like discussing it and they were like saying they basically you know both came to the conclusion that you know it, it might be hard to do in that exact form that we discuss it we really just, just plain and simple we just want this amount of money from this this set of people right and so if i was told that back in 2018 a lot a lot of the discussions like could have been like a lot of a lot of the fuss could have just been thrown away and then in the case of the private insurance thing like it is not I, I kind of like to, the way I think of Medicare for All, right? I am for Medicare for All, right? But the stark contrast between um, between America's system and, like, what they have in Europe, like, a lot of the labor, like, convincing labor that happens, like, to convince someone that we should have Medicare for All usually comes from the point that these other systems, they have, these other countries, they have much better systems than us. We should have a system similar to that. Medicare for all is not necessarily the same as what they have in France, which people love their healthcare system there or UK or wherever it may be, right? It's a little something different. And for someone to say that maybe private insurance shouldn't be illegal, right? That's not necessarily them being a shill saying that they don't want, that they don't, like they, you know, want the status quo. That can be just them saying, yeah, they want the radical change, but in the direction of France, in the direction of whoever insert country here with private health insurance. And I feel like that is not encapsulated well in discussions that we had on the debate stage because the people who were advocating for Medicare for all who want it or let's keep private insurance legal, they weren't going to do anything, period, right? Whereas we were having a, a difference in, like, you know, this is my ideal policy, whatever. They were just using that difference to get nothing done. You know what I mean? So go off from there. So the problem with saying that health insurance is going to be illegal is that – so what's, what's kind of interesting is that I think it's the same kind of issue as to fund the police, where unless you've laid the conceptual framework, it's very confusing to people to even really – in America at least because we were so fucked as a country uh, – to even conceptualize what that means. When I, I, Bernie it made me a little crazy. He would never say the following – Medicare for all is simply lowering the Medicare age by 10 years uh, for four years, and then everybody's in. He would never say, well, it's not that uh, you're, it's illegal to have private health insurance. You still have, uh, pri- you know, you still have, you can pay out of pocket for things that are not medically indicated, like plastic surgery, et cetera. He would never say, you know, um, you know, the point is the analogy of these other countries, somebody who's got their countries at least, is that in a single-payer system, you cut out the middleman in the health insurance industry that makes X billion dollars a year and lobbies X million dollars a year to make sure that we can't do what basically other countries do, like negotiate drug prices and have affordable insulin. Like, I agree with you that there's a way to talk about it that makes it seem a lot less abstract that lays the conceptual framework. The whole point of calling it Medicare for all is to make people understand that it's just like Medicare, but better, you know, and also vision, dental and hearing and stuff like that. But very but, infrequently did we talk about it in those terms. So I, 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 I agree with you on that, but eventually you did come around. Yeah, so eventually like, I did. What made me come around was like my, instead of like, before I was very, I think I've told, told you, I'm like very into like policy. Right. And, I've realized, I've come to the realization that, like, it is less about the policy, specific policy that they campaign on, and more that I want you to do all of the above, whatever you can do in the exact moment, 
whatever is politically viable, just do it. Like, I'm tired of all of this, like, you know, minimum wage, uh, not minimum wage, 20, 25, whatever unions. If you can do it, just do it. And can we be done with it? You know what I mean? So, like, that is my bar for, um, like, a president or whatever. Like, I'm not going to be looking, okay, I want this this one body's um, worker co-op, co-op stance or this one body's um, Medicare stance. I want the person who's going to do all the above. Like, whatever is in their power, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I do feel, I mean, maybe I'm biased. I do feel like that's kind of the Bernie approach. I think people use it words was. like living, it, so wait, it, wait a minute. I, I think that people use words like living wage in part because it encapsulates that it's not about any specific number, but that it's a number that's getting bigger over time the longer we don't have a minimum wage, right? A minimum wage rate. So, so I'm curious, what specifically is the critique? So I'd say um, the critique that I have is like, so in a way, like just to, to, to speak specifically about the, the healthcare one, um, what what I f- thought was strange, because I've always been supportive for a single payer healthcare, like as far as I can remember, high school, whatever, it just seemed dumb to me that we don't have that, right? But noticing the difference between um, between like, you know, the abstract idea of single payer and Bernie's plan, Medicare for All, one of the like acute differences I saw was like, first of all, like if if it is the fact if you don't even need to say that health insurance will be illegal, whatever whatever it is he actually said, like you know whatever analogous statement well, he said, you don't even asked him that he wasn't just going around saying, by the way, we're going to make health insurance illegal, private health insurance yeah, illegal. but like, like you don't even asked- need- you can say yeah, well sure yeah it can be legal, but like who who's gonna who's who's paying for that you know what I mean like who. What, which American is going to go out of their way to pay for a private health insurance plan? What private insurance plan people, is going to people exist? Do. People in Canada do. Like, rich people do. To They pay for extras. They pay to not have to wait on the list. They pay to fly to other countries and have surgeries. People do that. Rich people are always, they, 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 they're going to get around it. They're going to rich people it. But the, the issue was, the issue was that Bernie was literally asked, the question I believe was at, from a debate. And they asked candidates to raise their hand if they wanted to outlaw private health insurance. And Bernie and Kamala raised their hands. So Lol. this wasn't some moment where he could like <laughs> extrapolate, like you know, extrap, you know, uh, uh, you know, go into, into detail about what he feels about things. It was like a hand raise. And then he got follow up questions after that because he raised his hand. Now Kamala obviously retracted it the next day and said she misheard the question. Yeah. But and I, 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 your point. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, and also, like, I think uh, a big part of my anguish around that time was, like, around, like, the labels of socialist versus capitalist. And, like, I come around to the idea that both, they don't mean anything. Like, anyone, no, no, I think you and Robbie are about to have this conversation, like, today. No capitalist, no self-described capitalist is going to describe capitalism in a way that sounds abhorrent. No self-described socialist is gonna describe socialism in a way that sounds like abhorrent. Like you know what I mean? Like it's it's whenever I get a definition from somebody, like for instance, some people like to define socialism as workers owning the means of production, right? Mm-hmm. In what way does Medicare for all have to like deal with workers owning the means of production in a that does not also include like a capitalist policy? And like it, it's very hard to come up with a definition. Right, that encapsulates all of what people who identify as socialists like argue for. That does not also include some like 
somehow, some way, like a Joe Mansion. Like, there's like no way to do it. Like, you can't. Wait, if what do you, you mean? It, I don't understand that. Why would it meaning mean like Mansion? okay? If you say if you say right, like socialism is about is is about workers owning the means of production, right? And then you somehow find a way to include Medicare for all, right, in that definition, which is not directly. Which it is, by the way, I just, I got to say, everyone who's done their book learning knows that there's a specific definition of socialism and that's not incompatible. It's it's not, it's not a, workers owning the means of production is not the only aspect of socialism. It's not inconsistent to say that also having the broad social safety net and generally having a social orientation that's geared toward prioritizing, taking care of the people's needs over profit is, is the, the broader definitional goal. I'll leave it to the book learners and the people who've read their marks. But I don't. I don't think the fact that something has a multi. Okay, but you, you just said you just what you what you just said, right? What you just said, like um, like you know, prioritizing you know people over profits, right? I I guarantee you, if you ask Joe Manchin if he prioritizes people over profits, he's going to lie, but he's going to say yes. I prioritize people over profits. And he might even believe, actually, I say he's lied, but he might even believe that in his own twisted mind. Well, I, I actually, right? I think a lot of people will tell the truth about not feeling that way. Robbie's did it on the show today. Look, I don't but Robbie's think, crazy. Like, Robbie's a, no, well, a look, libertarian. No, I, I, I actually don't think, look, the reason Robbie's on that show with me is because he's so much less crazy. Like, he's, he's so much more reasonable than, frankly, a lot of, like, actual Republicans as opposed to libertarians. Um, and we have a lot more point of agreement. But th- when 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 Robbie says, um, "Oh shoot, what were you just talking about?" Profits of people, some something, um, something like that. Oh, like Robbie fully just says, like we're talking about price gouging. He fully just says people should be able to profit as much as they want, and many people believe that. Many, 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 many Republicans see absolutely nothing wrong with it. They admit it, like the meme. You know, <laughs> he admit it. <laughs> like they just they, they don't see. They, they, it has been drilled into their their brains. But you know, somehow, some way, he's going to say that that's better for people. Well, I don't. Frankly, I don't think that Robbie ultimately will, because his his principle, his libertarian principle, is like it doesn't matter. I've heard him but say think, something. I've heard him say something about on the show but, that ultimately, it, at the end of the day, the government should keep buying this stuff. So, and that's what's best for people. I've heard him say something well, like no, that. No, I, I actually disagree. I think that Robbie, but it doesn't matter what Robbie says because most Republicans do say that. I don't, I don't actually okay. think that Robbie cares. Like, I, and I don't mean to say that he's like a bad or anything, but Robbie is committed to the libertarian principle regardless of what the downstream effects are. Point blank. Period. So. It's not, okay. But it's not about Robbie. Most Republicans definitely do. That's the whole point of trickle-down economics. They have to put that trickle part in because it's a justification that says it's actually going to help the people. So the, my, my point is I, I, I disagree with you insofar as I think that a lot of people will tell on themselves, and basically every Republican politician will tell on themselves, and I know that it's because they've already said it. They've already said that the priority needs to be shareholders. The whole of corporate law literally explicitly – <laughs> it's designed like this isn't me doing propaganda literally on the first day of your corporate law class they will tell you the law is designed like whether or not you've done something that's considered to be bad judgment that violates the business judgment rule that gets you um sued by people as a ceo that you know the the thing that gets you in trouble is if you do something that's against the interest of shareholders that's it that's the entire legal system around corporate liability I'd also also like to add, like, when when I was, like, taking macro econ, right, I was Mm -hmm. really good with the professor, and he gave me a, he gave me his macro econ textbook, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like he gave me one for free because it was after the class, whatever, whatever. Right. And I was reading, like, I was actually really into this stuff. And I, I was reading through and I was like, wait a second. Like, this is really all a scam. Like, like it is almost explicitly true. Almost explicitly. I don't think these were the exact words in the textbook. But like the entire American banking system is just welfare for rich people. Like it is yeah. designed almost explicitly to be. I want to say explicitly to be welfare for rich people, right? The way that the central bank, the Fed works and whatever, like the fact that they only give the interest rate, like that interest rate to banks, whatever, whatever. It's like all baked in so that like the, like the most capitalist aspect of the American, of the American enterprise is its banking system, right? That's how it gives like rich welfare for rich people essentially. And so like, I understand that too. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, those are those are kind of the things that like you know that were really plaguing my mind for a while. It's just like I wasn't sure, and also I didn't know where I fit in into the, like this whole socialist like thing because I didn't know about libertarian socialism, which you you're making me want to like you know claim libertarian socialism a lot more since now you've like been doing it a lot more often. Well, Nathan it, Robinson did it to me. And by the way, I think you really should read uh, his book, How to Be a Socialist. It's quite good, and it is or, or no why why you should be a socialist is his book and it, it makes the argument why you should be a socialist okay um I'll write it, down. It, it explains everything in, in a way that i can't because i don't read enough but i did read that book <laughs> and it was helpful to me okay i have it in my list now all right thank you Ayende. i gotta move on because i thank was you. supposed to end 10 minutes ago and i want to do two more people at least but thank you so right. much Ayende. um i'm gonna go to abby because it's a real social trust up in here and I, oh, uh, one other thing I did want to say to you, Ayende, was I thought it was so interesting what you said about the uh, understanding the wealth tax, not as something to pay for social programs, but in this MMT way to take money out um, and, and away from rich people to discourage certain bad behaviors by rich people, like buying elections and stuff. And also, you know, for MMT reasons, the idea that you would like that more is interesting to me because there was such a debate within the Bernie campaign about not wanting to get into MMT. And maybe that was a mistake. Who knows? Abby, unmute yourself and let me know what's on your mind this evening. Are you with us, Abby? Oh, I, I caught Abby off guard. Abby was like, I'm in the back of the line. I'm going to take the laundry out. I'm going to get a mile in on the treadmill. I'm going to like fricassee a little dinner. I'm going to walk the dog. And there's no way she's calling on me anytime soon. Honestly, waiting in this line was an exercise in futility in the first place. Like Abby's out here living her best life. Abby is like learning how to play the guitar. She's doing crochet. She's got a macrame plant situation. Abby ran down to the store to get some milk and cigarettes. Abby is burning a CD and a computer that she found from 2002. Abby is just not here right now. So I am going to move back to Isaiah. I tried. I tried for gender equity. (laughs) All right, Isaiah. Unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Isaiah? Oh, is this an app? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's it's the app. Hi, um, I've been mulling over some questions that I had like during this podcast or this call in and like the video with Cornell West. Mm-hmm. It's about like whether Biden using the word fascist like like is is useful. Um, and so like to the point that um you made about Dr. West having some form of like 
social capital so that people will interpret what he says in good faith because of his like reputation and all that. Hmm. Biden doesn't really have that, at least from my point of view, just be, like from him not living up to his campaign promises, to his toxic policies. And like, I found myself having this, like this weird irrational knee jerk reaction to like a lot of the talking points that Biden presents where like, I just sort of dismiss what he says outright. And I get that that's not rational, but I don't know if that's, something that is unique to me. And so I guess like, in other words, what I'm saying is because like the messenger, like is so toxic, like is Biden like really a good advocate for anti-fascism in any way, considering his like public record, his reputation and all of those things. Interesting. Well, look, for whatever reason, I actually think a lot of people do see Biden as a, sort of a straight talker in the same way that Trump had this weird dishonest honesty where he would be lying and kind of obviously lying, but the audacity with which he lied and the way that he would lie about things that were obviously against his interests or the interests of the Republican party made it seem like he was at least walking to the beat of his own drum, even if it was dishonest. And I think Biden has a little bit of that too. When he screams at voters on the campaign trail and says, listen, <laughs> fat, and like does all that kind of stuff. Like it's unhinged from my perspective, but there is something that like, there is, I do believe that like kind of no one can control Biden. Nobody puts Biden in a corner. Biden's going to say what Biden wants to say. And in the absence of an, a genuinely honest person and sincere person, I can see how one would be attracted to that quality and, 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 and frankly see them as a, uh, uh, someone who is instinctive and who is, you know, pulling from the gut, punching from the gut. Uh, I'm, Bria, I just, I don't know about that. And maybe that's just because I'm not in like, like the same circles that you're in or anything like that. But at least for me, like I was working in like rural North Carolina hmm. and it was like a, a population of like uh, people of color, um, an, an impoverished community. And that wasn't really at all the, perception of biden that people really seem to have like i think there's just this oh black overall... people hate him wait a minute wait a yeah. minute <laughs> i'm black people? too okay yeah, i'm black too okay isaiah no yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me you weren't i didn't i thought we were just talking in general terms you weren't asking like no black people <laughs> no black people don't like him like what is it 60 right, percent right. of of the south carolina voters said that they they voted for him because uh, Clyburn told them to. Like 40, I just said this on radar either today or yesterday, that like 44% uh, of voters in the primary generally said they voted against Trump but not for Biden or something like that. About 50%, I think it was like 49% voted against Biden but not against Trump but not for Biden. Um, the I did a radar today about Stacey Abrams and why she's not doing well right now. And this, the people have been saying it's because black men don't support her, black, you know, blah, 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 blah. She's down overall with black voters. And the argument mm -hmm. I made on today's radar was she keeps aligning herself with Jim Crow Joe and talking about, oh, I want to <laughs> I want to pay the police more and re walking back all her statements about defund after George Floyd. And first of all, who was that for? Because nobody who hates defund is going to believe that, like, Brian Kemp is airing commercials in which you're clearly saying that you support some aspect of defund. Mm -hmm. You clearly did. And you were right, <laughs> by the way. And now you reneging. It's just going to piss all the black people off because you reneged. And then it's not going to convince anybody else who was on the fence because it's obviously not your truth. Right. So, so this is this is, 
so yeah, black people can't stand the man. You, they, we didn't, they didn't like that he disrespected Barack Obama with that articulate shit. Nobody ever forgot. There was an understanding that he was, <laughs> you know, his he was like Obama's little sidekick to convince the white people that Obama wasn't going to paint the White House black. Like he, like he's trash. Like he's trash, and he had had a little bit of shine on him for just hanging out with Obama for a while. But like he he eulogized Trent Lott. He railroaded Anita Hill. Like the 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 streets remember. Right, and so, like, that gets back to my original question. Like, for communities like ours, right? Mm-hmm. Black people. Yes. Like, what... Like, Biden using the word fascist, or, like... Like, I don't know, like... Is there going to be a knee-jerk reaction that other people have, like, in the same way that I did, where it's just, like, this Who is just this? another, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And so, yeah. like, I don't really know if he's useful for, like, our community specifically, right? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Look, he definitely motivated the MSNBC crowd and the resistance liberals. And to the extent that maybe some of them may or may not have voted, I don't know. I don't think it's especially useful because those people are already activated by um, the Dobbs decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I personally, look, in my radar yesterday, I said that the speech was a failure. And some people said back to me in the comments, like, why do you think it failed? Like, his ratings are up and people are happy. I'm like, well, I think his ratings are up because – Inflation, uh, sorry, gas prices are down because the student loan debt, because people are pissed off about Dobbs. Like the, there are a lot of things that happened that had nothing to do with Biden and certainly not him calling out fascism that mm-hmm. made, that put him in a better place than he was a few months ago. I think time will tell how what the public response broadly is to the fascism stuff. I, unfortunately, I think that even if it's like okay and not like a total failure, it was just kind of a neutral thing that he did. I, it hurts me because I do believe there's a version of a speech that Cornell would give that if mm-hmm. Biden had given would be kind of transformative, you know, like yeah. just really imagine a world where, where Biden says it has been a tough two years and I have not done everything perfectly. I have tried to take the counsel of people that are more knowledgeable than me and wiser than me. And we have tried to work together to disseminate vaccines, to get PPE, to send out checks, to try to do what we can and get you guys through this crisis. And I admit that not every aspect of that has been the best. I wish that we had known more earlier about how to handle this crisis better. And there were times when there were COVID interventions, including mandates that weren't especially well tailored to stopping the spread of the virus at the same time you know we should have focused more on ventilators and da, 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 and uh, hvac systems i i am proud however of doing the following we disseminated some checks we canceled student loan debt he can tick through his list of accomplishments and i want to keep listening to you and keep fighting for you in every way that i can this is the reasoning behind what i've done i tried to go after the meat industries that were raising up prices i tried to go after price gouging da 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 and all I hope is that you continue to put your trust and faith in me to listen to you, to keep talking to each other and try to figure out how to move this country forward together. Like, I can't even be mad at that. Like, what am I going to, how am I going to hate on that? Well, like, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> like, like, what am I going to say? Okay. What is Brown and Joy Gray going to say? Oh, he should have talked about Ukraine. Like, I mean, like, yeah, he should have talked about Ukraine. <laughs> but like, I, I seem like a hater if I say that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, 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 I'm personally of the view that, like, at least for, like, the, the circles that I'm in, the communities that I'm in, like, 
doesn't really matter like what Biden says at this at this point, right? Like his reputation is set in stone. Like he's been in Congress for like or he was in Congress for how long? He's been the president for how long? Like it's just Yeah. <laughs> like and so like I don't know if like him giving a little speech like talking about like all the good things that he's do like that he's done and then asking us to trust him after his like you ain't black shit and like all that other shit. Mm-hmm. It's like mm, like would that even be useful like even at that point? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I don't personally yeah. think so, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting uh, question, an interesting thought experiment. How much does Biden's credibility weigh in, like his his kind of historical, his credibility based on his his record, weigh in on his ability to successfully land this plane when it comes to fascism, land this argument about right. fascism? I think it's a really good question because, like I was saying to Doctor Tr- to yeah, Doctor slash Professor slash every all the honorifics Trump. I'm sorry, West. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, you can tell Freudian I need to end this broadcast. <laughs> I need to wrap. Okay. Um, but you can you can tell by my kind of pushback against him is that I I do feel like I feel like he can't really call people fascists because he's a fascist. Or he can, but I'm gonna be like, yes, I agree with you. Also, you're a fascist. You're all fascists. Right, right. And you know, Doctor uh, sorry, Doctor Doctor West had his own you know, pushback against that, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's a legitimate it's legitimate points made, like it's tough. Look, I know you have to go, but I do have, like, one last question, but I promise it's quick. Sure. Um, like, con- continuing with, like, the theme of, like, the night, like, people saying that you should run, da-da-da-da-da. Like, my question is more along the lines of, like, like, how do we make more politicians that are able to, like, effectively make these arguments or capitalize on these focusing events which seem to be occurring and, like, Moment, like moments in, in time, like the George Floyd protest, like shit like that. I think How do we cool, make politicians like that? Cool people like you all should run for office. <laughs> I'm tired of all you don't talking about. Don't put this on me, Bree. I don't want that smoke. I don't want that smoke. Okay, Brianna, sure for office. You should run for <laughs> office. You know the you know the guy you know the guy who does those TikToks. Um, he like works in retail and he like makes fun of like the horrible things that people ask him, and that music comes up behind him. And they're like, um, he's like, uh, can you, can you, I don't, can you return this? I don't have the receipt. He's like, no, you, no, you need to listen. Dun, dun. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you guys know that TikTok yes. guy? Yes. Like, that's how I feel to you guys when you're like, run for office. I'm like, no, you, no, you run for office. You need Look, to I, I don't know about all that. <laughs> like, no, like, but I'm curious about like why they're so inept and like how can we make people that are not inept and that are able to like like the Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene thing with like the FBI like that seems like and like any shrewd politician would be able to capitalize on that. You know, like our progressives are just we don't tripping have over their dicks. We don't have we don't have shrewd <laughs> long dicked progressives who can't get out of their own way. <laughs> like that's that's what it is. Um, that's what it is. So look, also, I think it's partly that like this is this is part of the argument that I think so many like CJ and the folks over at RBN have been making so um, persuasively that the institution itself is corrupting. So, you know, the whole point of an inside game, even within a third party, there are arguments about, you know, the corrupting influence of just being in politics as opposed to being an organizer, doing mutual aid, things like that. And that like the real mm-hmm. reason, like, I don't want to be into politics is because I can say like, I'm not ignorant of the pressures on people. I see Marianne. I see Nina Turner, and even though I have my critiques, like I also fully appreciate that it's difficult. And there are 
They're, they're, they've got a multi-million dollar campaign. People have given them money and they're having to make choices that I can talk about real big and bold on a podcast. Like, y'all, you need to just go all in and tell them Biden, Biden didn't even have a bowl of shit. He made you eat the whole bowl of shit. Like, you know, like, but, but, you know, when I make those same decisions, if I had all these consultants and all of this money at risk and all these people who had invested in me and the rest, like, it, I'm not right. going to sit here and pretend like it's an easy decision. So, you know, it, they're trade-offs. And a part of why you don't have, like, better politicians is because being a politician makes you less good. Okay, well, uh, I know it's late, so thank you so much for taking my questions. Have a great night. Thank you. You yeah. also have a great night. All of you, all of you are champions. I enjoy you as always. Oh, wait, my theme song is not playing. Okay, why isn't it playing? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I want to say a happy Star Trek day to all. I hope you enjoy the worst Star Trek intro that has ever happened, but which for some reason has grown on me over the years. We got this, guys. We got this. Cause I've got faith in the heart. <laughs> All right. <laughs>